Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about game shows. I suppose I am your host, Jordan Haas. This is a very special episode because this is the American Ninja Warrior episode. Coincidentally, American Ninja Warrior debuts tonight at 8 p.m. on NBC. So we're talking about a show, and there's a premiere of the new season tonight, which is exciting. And now some news. Adam Levine is leaving The Voice. And now it's time for Holtz Watch. <laughs> On Tuesday's episode, James Holtzauer won $59,381, making his grand total after 29 days $2,254,938. This will be his 30th win if he wins tonight, and he is about halfway there from beating Ken's record of days. Best of luck to James Holtzauer. That's it. Kineku Banzuke, or as it's known here, Unbeatable Banzuke, was a show showcasing athleticism, and it debuted on October 14, 1995 for the Tokyo Broadcasting System. The show was about physical challenges that were slightly difficult. Once Kanzen Chia, or complete domination, was achieved, the course would change again. One such challenge made its debut on September 27, 1997. It was the first Sasuke tournament aired in Tokyo Broadcasting. Its full name was Ultimate Survival Attack Sasuke, held inside the Tokyo Bay NK Hall Sports Arena, which is located in Tokyo Disney Resort. The building opened in 1988, but it closed down in 2005. This makes it the only Sasuke tournament to take place indoors rather than outdoors. In the first round, 100 people from all across Japan would participate, with players eliminated if they fail an obstacle or if the 70-second timer would expire as well. The first ever course had a 45-degree Maruta Nobori, or barrel crime, followed by an equally difficult Burasagari Maruta, or spinning log. Then a descent with a Maruta Kudari, or rapid descent. Then a barrel climb, but going towards which then forced up a 60-degree incline called Sosoritatsu Kabe, or wicked wall, which in Sasuke 5 became the infamous Soritatsu Kabe, which is more familiar to viewers as the quarter-pipe obstacle known as the Warped Wall. Climbing the Wicked Wall Hill would stand a Yureru Hashi, or Balance Bridge, which would then lead players to a Taki Kudare, a log that served almost as a pole to move players to the free climbing obstacle, which was a rock wall. Some people call this section Kabe Nobore, or the subduction zone. Out of the 100 at start, only 23 were left standing to go through round two, featuring obstacles like the spider walk and spider climb, and even had a conveyor belt and wall lifting. But now under a 50-second time limit, of the 23, only six were left for stage three, where under 30 seconds they must traverse a pole bridge, a propeller bar, and a sea of poles called the Eye of the Needle. Those six became four, and it was our first introduction to Mount Midoriyama, the Suna Nobore, or final stage. 
was a rope climb, 15 meters in length, in just 30 seconds. None of the four survivors made it. It was an exciting segment of Unbeatable Bonzuke, so much so that they brought it back continuously until March 16, 2002. Due to two competitors getting greatly injured in a new event Unbeatable Bonzuke game called Power Island, the show was canceled. But Sasuke became an independent program in and of itself, starting with Sasuke 10. The show would have its 37th telecast on June 2nd, 2019. With a cultural success in Japan, will this show about hard work and fighting spirit translate to America? Can this podcast achieve total domination on the Apple Podcast charts? Game developer Scott Benson might know the answer. Now let's turn the table. With me on the line is an animator, illustrator, and video game creator of some game called Night in the Woods. And uh, you might know him from the Late Night Quirk Club and the new project called the Glory Society, Mr. Three Root Beers himself, Scotty Benson. Oh, hi. You want to explain <laughs> the Three Root Beers thing or are we just going to let that hang? I will say hello to you, and I will always call you Three Root Beers, because that is my favorite story of yours ever on Twitter. I think those tweets are still up, too. It so. is. I just, I will once again apologize. <laughs> that was a hilarious, hilarious event. Um, it is. Yeah. Great. Uh, and, and Scott, you, you got to tell us about the Glory Society, because that's your new yeah. project. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of three co-founders. Uh I think the correct term is uh, co-worker owner of uh, this thing called the Glory Society. It's a uh, cooperative uh, game development studio. Uh, we make games, and uh, we are a worker cooperative. There's a few of us, uh, a few worker co-ops in games, but it's still kind of a, a new thing. Uh, not new, but it's, it's not a very common thing. So we're kind of like, you know, we're spreading the good word about uh, not replicating terrible uh, capitalist structures in your uh, workplace. So what you're telling me is if we're not independent and you're in, like, say, a bigger company, they should probably unionize. Yeah, probably. That's what I'm saying. They, I don't want to tell anybody what to do. I but. mean, I can't. I mean, I'm a game I'm a game show podcaster. I'm not in the world of, of video games, but I heard nothing but good things about these unions, especially if you are working maybe over 40 hours and not getting the benefits and details that you deserve. Throwing it out there. Yeah, uh, unions. They won't solve every problem, but they, they'll certainly solve a lot of things. That's my, that's my really great pitch. Unions, they'll solve some problems. Uh, <laughs> games industry is so ludicrously, like, cartoonishly bad uh, for, like, workers. I mean, a zillion industries are like that, too, because uh, things are bad in general with the capitalism. But um, games are just kind of like, yeah, like, cartoonishly bad um in a lot of ways so yeah there's been a big kind of push for unionization or just general worker organizing uh it's one of the reasons why we're kind of promoting um worker co-ops if you're forming a studio uh, or if you have a smaller studio and you want to kind of transition into that um so we're just kind of one one prong of that larger worker uh organization happening in games right now it is and uh and also the uh, the the uh, 
where you're doing Glory Society. It's also with one of the other co-creators of Night in the Woods. Yeah, it's with uh, Bethany Hockenberry. Um, so there's three people who are the core uh, creators of Night in the Woods. It's me and Bethany and uh, Alec Holoka, who's a really great, very cool and smart uh, video game developer. He um, was one of the co-creators of a game called Aquaria. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he worked with Derek from uh, of Spelunky fame on that one. So um, this is uh, Night in the Woods was Alec's second game that kind of like, you know, caught an audience and stuff so that's now, that's if, cool but if you've never seen nine in the woods you've never played nine in the woods i'm, I'm not I'm, not, I'm gonna steal a plug uh go play nine in the woods please give scott your money because it is a <laughs> it is a well thought out game uh it's a it i don't normally say that about video games that often because most of the time it is you know conflict conflict shoot the thing punch the guy and this did a flip opposite of this is something that I have never seen in terms of narration and in terms of decision making. And I, I did not know about the fan base until probably now, as in <laughs> how huge it is. And yeah, it's got like, you know, we're not the huge. I, I'd say that we're, we're, we're firmly in kind of like cult hit status, which is basically Scott. only all that I've ever wanted, really. Scott, Scott you have um, people with Greg Rule's OK tattoos. What do you oh, want? Yeah. I've got a bunch of those. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm comfortable with this level. As much <laughs> as you can ever be comfortable with, like, fandoms based around the stuff that you've made, like, that is something you actually have to adjust to. Like, not in a way that you're, like, complaining about it or anything, but just you're not used to being in that position where people are thinking about this thing you made possibly even more than you are at this point. Like, um, people will still come up to me because the 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 experience is fresh with them. Uh, whereas for me, like uh, we started this project like a long time ago, like half a decade ago. So like, and I finished so the last thing. Before the wrote recession then hit was when you had this idea. Oh about. no, we were well. The recession was what two thousand eight. Yeah, <laughs> or so. But um, uh, but so uh, but yeah, so like uh, so yeah, the fandom's been uh cool uh and and it still holds up. What did you say? And it still holds up, the storytelling, uh, especially if you live in a suburb area where a lot of jobs are just disappearing and you have no yeah. direction in life and you're just wanting to do we, crimes, I guess. <laughs> we not. very much had that kind of, like, or at least I did, had that thing of, like, I've never really seen a game or li not many games about, like, the places that we know, Bethany and I, or um, the people that we know and, like, have been uh and stuff we just don't see those characters in games very often um i think the closest thing would be something like kentucky route zero which is a huge influence on the game and cannot recommend that game enough it's probably my favorite thing that doesn't have the word souls in it uh that's I, come out of gaming in the past decade i i, I uh, heard seco i heard seco is the the new the new soul oh sekiro sekiro with the with there's there's uh and also um I, I night in the woods is definitely the dark souls of of slice of life yeah i could see that um <laughs> there's dark souls influence on the on the design of the game but that's like getting way into the weeds but there's a little dark souls in there um as far as like the narrative design and stuff because dark souls has really underrated narrative design i think and then i'm the the follow-up question is not to you but it's going to be definitely why the hell did you get scott benson to go on your game show podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah good question well it's because a i i've i've been a follower of scott's work for 
but even before Night in the Woods debuted, because I, I, I love your opinions on a lot of things, not just doing video games. Uh, and then second of all, it's you kept tweeting over and over again things about American Ninja Warrior, which is tonight's yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah, so like earlier this year, in the past year, since night the past couple of years since night in the woods came, came out but really in earnest in the past year been for like the first time in my life learning how to kind of you know take care of myself as like a being that needs things like sleep and uh and you know getting out of the house and all that um work and other things didn't really allow for a lot of that before um so uh i've been kind of yeah like structuring my day around getting some sleep i've, I've always had a hard time sleeping so um, now, uh, what I do before I go to sleep is like turn off anything I could possibly work on, uh, and go and just hang out and watch TV or a movie or something before going to bed. Um, this is something I've never really done in my life and I was finding myself getting kind of antsy. So I started just live tweeting. I mean, quote unquote live tweeting, not like a moment by moment thing, but tweeting a lot about what I was watching. And I ended up watching American Ninja Warrior, which I'd seen on TV, uh, before Bethany and I had kind of like we'd catch little like marathons of it and just be like oh this show's on cool and we were familiar with the original uh, Sasuke I forget how you Sasuke. actually pronounce it. yeah um, having seen it on G four way back in the day so like um, and so I just started watching it and tweeting about it and it, this went on for like two months and I watched literally almost every single Ninja Warrior program that is currently available to watch. Uh, and then i just said hey you're a leftist you also watched the game <laughs> show which you like to show up Woo! yeah that was about <laughs> it yeah i was i was very uh excited to uh to share my <laughs> my takes and knowledge on of american, american ninja warrior uh yeah. you probably i will and i'm not joking you are probably more prepared for the for american ninja warrior episode deep dive than maybe half my guests or maybe more <laughs> of my guests because no one's ever watched every season every episode yeah it's um it was a lot actually hold on i haven't watched every episode i don't i don't think i've seen the first one you never watched the uh, first you never watched the american ninja warrior g4 years uh no well i i caught i think I've, I've gone since seasons two yes i think it was season two all right that i watched it from so, which i think so, they were still on g4 so first, we'll break it down. Sasuke was a Japanese game show that has been on the air for almost 15 years at this point. And uh, it is basically a physical challenge game show where of 100 contestants, they have to go through three, four, four stages. They don't call them rounds. They don't call them levels. They call them stages. And one's like an easy, then a medium, and then difficult, and then the ultra-difficult boss stage. Yeah. Uh, and... All of these had a time limit, and if they couldn't complete the time or they fail once on an obstacle, they lose. It's an obstacle course game show. Mm -hmm. uh, and it had a cold appeal in Japan, and that's why it's still on the air. It's almost like a Battle Royale style. And then when they they picked up the rights to the show to air in G4, I forgot what company got the, the rights to it. That's the one thing that was like my big... Which, like, which was the company that got the rights Ninja Warrior for, for, uh, for commentary. Mm-hmm. And for G4. So when they did that, they picked it up because it's, I guess, a, a nice novel show to air in between episodes of X-Play. Yeah. With, with Morgan Webb. Morgan <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Remember Morgan Webb and Adam Sessler? Adam Sessler pops up in my Twitter feed occasionally because we have, like, mutual friends because of Twitter and video games. And I'm always like, talk to me, Adam Sessler. But uh, I don't know him well enough to say hello. 
You know he played your game. <laughs> you I don't know when he played our game. Actually, I don't think he's ever t- he's ever spoken about it. If X Play was still on, I would really want an X Play, even if it was like bad. I would want them to be like a two out of five. I like when you rock out in your garage band. <laughs> X Play was awesome. That was a that was a a good show in the sense that like. A lot of G4 content was a little on the cringy, like, hey, gamer side, but, like... Yeah, no, that's like, where I was going to get at. This is where I was in between like, that and Attack of the Show, mm-hmm. which is exactly that. The gamers, hey, the consumers uh, who yeah. buy the game. You buy video games, buy it a was, video game. X-Play was, like, the one thing on that channel that was actually kind of knowing and witty and seemed to care about, like, actual, like, games as, like, you know, cultural objects a little bit. Uh, and was kind of clever and funny, but yeah, then it would just be like, like later on, like on Attack of the Show, Booth Babe, Jello wrestling or something. Um, <laughs> hey, Morgan Webb, why don't you dress up like Wonder Woman? Not that outfit, the more revealing one. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, Eat the hot dogs, Olivia Munn with the mustard. Eat them. This is uh, not a, sexually innuendo at all. That was a bad time culturally. That was a real bad time. <laughs> And then I feel like the, as the general culture, things have improved, uh, like at least as far as video game stuff goes. I want to think that. Uh, I think could just we be have a definitely moved on. <laughs> and I would say the same thing with like geeky culture, because if because if X Play was video games, Attack of the Show was like comic books and superhero movies, and yeah, it was general stuff like that. Like I remember they had a really creepy, weird moment where. Um, it was the woman who was the uh, who was in Crank Two, maybe the Jason Statham film Crank Two, and um, I just remember the guy Kevin Pereira like trying to like kiss her at, at, for a bit at one point, and her just like really kind of aggressively leaning away, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this show. <laughs> dude, babe, she's hot though. You want the kiss, right? Yeah, dude, Monster Energy Drink. It was definitely something. I actually looked up Kevin Pereira right before this because we had like talked about him and like apparently he's like on like the Young Turks now and stuff. He <laughs> got on. A lot of that stuff, like I imagine, was like handed down from like as like directives from on high. Like I'm pretty sure. Like I, I have to imagine that like while they were taping these things, they're like, oh, God, I have to like act like an idiot and like a slave. And then the blowback. I live like a capitalist every day, Kenk. Yeah, it was. Like, <laughs> oh, he's hired. Sure, how actually. Uh, how do you actually um, pronounce this? Isn't it? Is it Chank? Kank? I think so. It's uh, the last time I saw Young Turks, and this is just to show how old it was. Was way back when current TV existed. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And current TV, because when they had current, which was Al Gore's network, they had all sorts of funny shows like Infomania. And they had uh, they had this the things. The best part about it was a lot of the shows would end up then on Blip, so you would watch it like a video podcast. And I thought that was an innovative format. Wow. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. Current TV. That was a different time in like that's a very Bush era. Uh, that's very like what counted as kind of like militant lefty stuff. Like that's all now. Like. The, it, it was the it cross was your the finger kind of, means TV. Cross your finger means TV can fix this. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Listen, I've donated. I'm a, I'm a, I'm supporting this shit. But um, get the, get uh, the Street Fight Radio show to be a real talk show. <laughs> uh, the Street Fighter's so good. 
They're, they're, they're such good boys. I we're, love them. we're getting them on real soon. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah. I'm a, I'll I'm spoil a big... I will tell you after the recording what their what their game show is. Nice. Um, <laughs> super sloppy double no, Oh, jeez, um, no. <laughs> and I thought I was thinking Shark Tank because of their Patreon. But Yeah. I'm, now I'm, like, trying to remember what else was on current TV. That was, like, a very, like, like my, my notion of current TV is someone just being, like, uh, like kind of Keith Olbermann. Yeah, it was Keith. Like, there was a ripoff countdown. Yeah. Uh, and then we like, got Turks. Uh, Mr. President, sir, that is not how you spell spaghetti or something. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. Uh, um, the, uh, the shrub in chief. George Bush, who's stupid. Um, there was that, and then like there was a specific flavor to, I guess what you'd call millennial uh, uh, activism um, at the time. Like oh a my lot of people goodness. who were like who were like my age, who were kind of in that time. Like there was a there was a gap in kind of popular progressive discourse through most of my life, just because of post Reagan, like highly. You know, the term neoliberal gets thrown around, but there's no really other word for it. Kind of neoliberal era where, like, materialist politics oh, or whatever. Oh, my fucking God. Sorry, I'm cursing. No, it's all right. Um, the, uh, but, like, I, I, there was a lot of, like, focus on, like, oh, the, there are sweatshops over here and that's bad. And, yeah. like, oh, you consume and your con- your consumption is kind of bad or whatever but there was very little talk about we need to organize our workplaces and overthrow capitalism yeah it didn't <laughs> the, get that far okay yeah so, so here here is some shows <clears throat> countdown with keith olbermann which you already joked about <laughs> uh-huh. there is the gavin newsom show hosted by lieutenant governor at the time gavin newsom now current governor of california jeez gavin newsom <laughs> For, for, at the at, when you first said that, I was getting him mixed up in my head with Gavin McGinnis, and I was oh, like, "Whoa!" <laughs> no, the Gavin Jesus. Newsom uh, Proud Boys are just yeah. a bunch of people who have to name like five items at the Starbucks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're asking uh, Young Turks, the War Room of Michael Schur. Okay, uh, talking liberally with live simulcast of the Stephanie Miller Show, which was political satire, according to this. God, I don't remember any of these. Bill people. Press show with it's called Full Court Press with Bill Press. Jeez, okay. Joy Behar, say anything. Oh, fucking Joy Behar! Wow, these are just names. Like I am going back to 2007. I'm watching Pushing Daisies. Oh on no, the no. How about Morgan Spurlock has a five part series called Fifty Documentaries be- See Before You Die. <laughs> God. He's the one who first broke the news that if you eat McDonald's every day for a month, you it's actually deleterious to your health. God, and don't ever get the ultra big drink. Don't ever get the big, big drink. Ever. Don't eat it. That that whole thing was funny because it was like, everyone kind of knew that you shouldn't eat McDonald's every day. And, but his entire, like, you know, premise was this would be very unhealthy to eat. Wait. And <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a real big thing. And so everyone was like, oh, we got to ban McDonald's because, you know, someone might eat it for a month or something. <laughs> It's like where was this for like Dunkin' Donuts or beer or something? <laughs> Just called binge, binge drink every day. <laughs> Just yeah. see what happens. Uh, apparently, Jared Leto was a host of something. Item for a month. <laughs> Ellen good. Fox hosted the Rotten Tomato Show. There was a Rotten Tomato Show. Okay. Uh, J- Jason just... Silva of the uh, the Brain Games hosted the show there. Jared Leto, everyone's Jared favorite Leto Joker, the Jokester, show? the Jokester himself, Jared Leto. Wow. 
I know him as Jordan Catalano. Thank you very much um, uh, from my so-called life. And uh, it is now bought out by Al Jazeera. Okay. They uh, probably are doing better work with it. Good for them. It closed down August 20th, 2013. Back to G4, because that's what Hal's American there Ninja was, Warrior. There's one show on that was not mentioned in that. Um, it was a show, something women. It was not designing women. It's something, uh, uh, saying that the term is something women is very funny, but um, <laughs> it was a show that was t- picking apart, um, you know, basically media tropes, but like in like commercials and stuff, um, advertising specifically towards women. And it was very, very funny. I forget what her name is, who is on it. I used to watch it like clips of it on YouTube, and it was extremely funny uh, and very kind of good, just kind of pop analysis, uh, f- feminist analysis of like, weird messaging towards women in in advertising uh and it was really funny uh it was very good and that was the only thing i ever watched a lot of from it current was, tv it was called target it was called target, target women. women yeah target women it was a segment on infomania that became a full-time uh, thing yeah that was a if i remember correctly it's been like 10 years since i've seen it but i re- remember watching that a bunch and it was very funny shout out to sarah haskin yeah <laughs> wherever you are <laughs> Currently, uh, born Chicago. Uh, currently, uh, is on the sitcom project called Trophy Wife on there one season. Eight. Uh, oh, well, well. better luck next time, Sarah. Yeah, um, good, great. Show. And then uh, there. So, so G four. They they had yeah. the, the 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 boobs, the babes. Uh, they they were trying to do cops reruns and cheaters reruns for. Oh God, yeah. Well, that's like the the deep cable thing, right? Like when you don't have the programming or something you you go and grab a syndicated television show yes uh and theirs was cops and cheaters i I should say this before we move on from g4 that that (laughs) that station started off like a lot less like you know boobs and cops or you know it was like they had like an actual like call-in show where you could talk about like computer g4tv.com uh laura foy shout outs (laughs) the uh but like they had that and like um, a few other things, and so like they had it Pulse, kind of which was the new show. More, uh, what do you say? Oh, I can go down the whole list. This is my, this was my like mid two thousands. It was Gas because oh, okay. Nick Gas, the Nickelodeon reruns of like Double Dare mm-hmm. and G four because that was things like Filter. There was Pulse. There was a Cheater. There was Cheat, which was just cheat codes. We'll give you cheat codes and video oh, games. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious that there was a TV show that gave you fucking cheat codes. There was something called was Cinematech. It was a produced television show for cheat codes. There was, there was uh, a host. Yes, <laughs> there was. There was a show called Sweat, which focused on sports games. And the host on that, Rossi Morial, later went on to host a game show temptation the all-new sale of the century oh okay i i think i remember so that that show was that the one where they basically do like you know land battles on like in like counter-strike or something no that's called arena that was hosted by hawk from american gladiators i remember that show and then i remember there was one co-host at one point who was like super creepily flirty with everyone that was kevin Pereira. oh no no this is this is a this is a lady um i don't remember her name I only saw her on like two episodes of Arena as kind of like the other kind of co-host, and it was like really uncomfortable. Uh, it was just like Jesus, lady, this is like. And then, so, so G Four had a lot of of video game based shows. They later cancel a lot of these shows because they wanted to focus on a competition against the Spike Network, mm-hmm. 
And somewhere, and what happened was during an Attack of the Show segment, they talked about a game show called Sasuke. And they were kind of like, well, this is weird, Japan. This is a cool thing. Parkour is a cool trend right now online. Look at all these parkour videos. Let's just show off this cool game show. Mm. And then G4 bought the rights. That's why if you ever look at American Ninja Warrior, even to this day, the holding company is G4 Media LLC. Okay. Who owns that, that G4? Now? It is that G4. Who who owns the, who who owns G4 just like the property? Uh NBC Universal. Because oh, okay. NBC Universal bought E. And I and anyone who knows me knows I've gone to the Universal Studio Tour so many times that I can tell you that NBC is more than just NBC. It's CNBC, <laughs> MSNBC, Bravo, Telemundo, the Esquire Network, which I don't think exists anymore. The uh-huh. Golf Channel, NBC Sports, the Weather Channel. And the they list the weather goes on now. and on. So in the Universal Studios park ride, does that mean there's a there's going to be a G4 ride? <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they did have the G4 logo at one point. Like oh, on a monitor. Because what they did was they had like on a monitor. Because they do a monitor tour. It's like here you're sitting in the thing. You see the... You see the back lot, and there's these little monitors. And when they like go through like the NBC, they go past the NBC building. They go, you know, NBC's more than just NBC. <laughs> and it's like, what? There's General a NBC. More than NBC. There's MSNBC. Tell me more about this MSNBC. <laughs> all of our ratio, all of our ratings are Russia based. Um. <laughs> hey, it's everything's breaking. And if you don't know, let me tell you. Think back to the Watergate scandal. So we got to take this before we get to the story. Let me tell you, this is important. We got to go back to the Watergate scandal. The year was 1968. And there. <laughs> now let me get to God. the point. <laughs> Bernie Sanders and his Russian bot army. They keep harassing me by saying I, sh- I don't get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> they said to, I should take my head from my, well, bottom and let me let me go back to the mccarthy hearing so it's 1950s and hollywood has a lot of people who believe socialism is good and these people want to see people with better health care and better health services and communism was on the rise so there was a crazy person named joseph mccarthy who ostracized a lot of people in hollywood for being communists with me on today is we're going to be talking about uh Hollywood liberals and the, um, nope. Donald Trump. All right, so <laughs> G four uh, decides to do American do Ninja Warrior, just the Ninja Warrior episodes of Sasuke. Mm-hmm. They do not eat. They just have one voiceover guy who's not even the commentator. They just keep the original commentary team in Japanese and just have subtitles. Yeah, and you just hear a guy go, "Oh, he fell off the spider uh, ledge. He fell off the cargo net. Oh, he just ran out of time." He's a gas station manager from, yeah. Oh, from, uh, oh, I was going to say Hokkaido, but I think that makes sense, right? It's like, I was trying to give the name of anything that's not just Tokyo, as because it's always a countryside. Well it's always a countryside city in Japan that they're from. Uh, and then they decided, wouldn't it be cool if we brought American Ninja Warrior here? If we did Ninja Warrior here, American Ninja Warrior. So their first season was hosted by Matt Eisman, just Matt Eisman. And it was created by A. Smith and Company, and it has familiar merits to that of Hell's Kitchen. If you've ever seen Hell's Kitchen? So what they did was they had like a mini physical challenge, not even related to American Ninja Warrior in some regard. Winners uh, get to relax, and the losers get penalized 
uh, by doing an embarrassing physical challenge that, that teaches them grip strength or something. The winner, okay. the winner gets to go on to Japan to play Ninja Warrior for real. Wow, this is the one season I haven't seen. This is crazy. It was. They call it American Ninja Warrior Challenge. It mm -hmm. is awful. I did not like it. Terrible. I much care for Jump City, Seattle. If I had to go for that kind of show, then we move on to the actual Ninja War when it became actual Ninja Warrior. So what they did was they had different qualifiers in the early earliest of seasons. Venice Beach, Venice, and they had like <laughs> six obstacles. And they had an open audition for the show, which means anyone could just stop by and do the course. Because this is G4. They don't have the budget. And there they had some original people that would show up to later seasons. Um, who did I remember? Yeah, there's a few people who have been on like every season. Yeah, these were the, the early, early people. And then they kind of played it up where the winner of that goes on to Japan. And then in season two slash three, whatever you want to call it, because American Ninja Warrior Challenge did not exist, it became a full-blown game show where they went to yeah. four different cities and did the qualifier. If you complete the qualifier, which is like a, like seven obstacle challenge, you would again go into the city final. The city finals are like nine ops. It's like, I think, ten ops, actually. Yeah, they had like a, like, a, like a back third to the course. Yes. And whoever had the and whoever passed that because they got they originally did not have times they just had timers would go on to Las Vegas for the final finals where it was two obstacles in Mount Midoriyama. That's the always constant in all these Ninja Warriors is the Mount Midoriyama. Yeah, the stage. Which, four from what I understand, Midoriyama means has the word mountain in it. So it's mountain, mountain. I know. Yeah, it is mountain. Like the uh, in the U.S. when they call it Mount Midoriyama, it is. Mountain, mountain, something. I forget what the, the rest of it is. Yeah. But yeah, it's like chai tea or something. According chai to... Uh, all right. According to the Ninja Warrior Wiki, because I have this on standby. Uh -huh. <laughs> the official lore book. Yeah, the Ninja... May have tried. Few were chosen. Uh, Nagato and a few others are able to beat it, truly. Ninja Warrior... Uh, Takahito, on the far Ninja Warrior, Isaac Caladero and Jeff Bryan are the only two Americans who are able to reach the top. Yeah. And they did it in the same episode. The and same Isaac season. was the one making it the fastest. So Isaac is the technically the only person in the history of the show to technically win American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. And won $1 million. The God. That Isaac is a funny guy. Uh, Jeff got nothing, by the way. Jeff won nothing. <laughs> yeah. He lost by like a second or two. Like it was not. <laughs> yeah. Isaac Caldera was like. He and his partner, girlfriend, I forget what the relationship was, uh, but they were like, yeah, like, we just, like, live out of our van in, like, you know, some sort of, like, you know, rocky area. And they're like, we just, basically, it's like, we live out of our van, we do drugs, and we climb, uh, and probably have very weird sex uh, and stuff. He is and a like, carpenter by trade. He has luscious long hair. Sound familiar? Yeah. He, uh... I, I remember at one point, like, they were giving kind of, like, commentary as he was going. They're like, oh, he's just, he's so good at this. It's great to, you know, see him on the obstacle. His uh, girlfriend believes him to be a reincarnation of Buddha. And then they just kind of moved on or something. It was yes. just like, whoa. Um, so, the but, so the format, we just got it's just, just to speed through the, we're not, we can't go through every obstacle ever created in Ninja Warrior. I don't want to waste Scott's time on this. <laughs> but there is There's so three, many good ones. 
It's three different obstacles, with stage one typically ending with the famous warped wall, which is kind of like a half pipe. They have to go up a half pipe and then climb themselves up and hit a button to signal the end. On Sasuke in Japan, it's different. It's like a cargo net to hit the button. In stage two, uh, their big concluding obstacle, because it changes and they're much more difficult, is where they have to lift up giant walls. Remember that we had to lift up the walls? Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's in um, the Midoriyama. No, hold on, I'm trying to think. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I gotcha. Yeah, and stage two uh, is to lift up the heavy items, and then they have to push the button. And in the most recent season of American Ninja Warrior, they introduced a new obstacle where they got to swim underwater. Yeah, which is uh, fucked up. The one guy has ba- had bad asthma. And uh, he uh, he had to go through that. And as someone who has pretty bad asthma, I was like, ah, get out I, of the water so you can breathe. I would also argue that should not be the case of American Ninja Warrior <laughs> as an <laughs> obstacle in general. It's a weird one. Well, it's, it it's makes a weird, no sense. And, and adding that kind of environmental hazard to it is different the, than the, any of the other ones. It's the element of death. If they drown <laughs> under this rock... They can't breathe. There's been a few times when, like, so, like, a lot of these obstacles, I'd say the majority of them, have water underneath them, yeah, like, the, all throughout like the courses, because out. if you fall off, you you got you need something to land in, and a few times, someone's popped up and be like, ah, I can't swim, and, like, you've seen, like, five divers jump in. Which uh, would make sense, because they probably exerted all their energy doing yeah. every obstacle, they can't do it, and then, ah, There's yet another way in which I would perish immediately trying to do this course. Uh... So, so the kind of you are as a longtime Ninja Warrior like fan. If you watch this, you're the the rule states: if you hit the water, you're out. Like you can be like barely scraping by, but if both feet hit the water, you're out. Like like run, like the Royal Rumble in the WWE, you can't put both feet in the water to claw yourself through. Yeah. So here's the thing: where it's just basically, yeah, just go in the water. <laughs> okay, yeah, jump on down, get in there. Uh, I, 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 to me. I, I would I would throw that out, but that's a season two obstacle. That's a uh, level two obstacle. Then in number three is typically the hardest of the hardest obstacles I can think of. Yeah, it's insane. Like what? That's just why only like two people have ever made it through ever. There is like, one where it's like here is like a hanging door, like just like a wooden door. There's no like foot holding, and you and it swings. Oh God, yeah, like it rotates as it swings. Yeah, and you have to, like, if we're thinking of the same one, you have to kind of climb around to the other side of it and then launch yourself off it onto another tiny ledge. Uh, and so you have to climb around this flat, rectangular surface with no footholds. It's insanity. It is. And then there's, like, variations of monkey bars and upper body strength. And Yeah. It's- A lot of the climbers do really well on this show, like rock climbers, because so much of it's upper body strength. Like... It's a There's of not a lot of cardio. And, yeah, it's it, and you'll parkour in some ways, like things that involve agility, like from like the rock uh, run where you have to. In the very beginning of is usually like the mushroom hill or something, where it's mm-hmm. here's a here's a slanted hill, jump there, then jump to the other, which is another forty five degree angle slope, then jump on a much higher forty five angle slope and move your way up. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be any expert. I'm not a science doctor. Or I don't know physiology that well. But they intentionally also have these big steps to basically have you step down. They're, like, three feet down just to wind you down even more. Yeah. Like, the whoever is the creator of these levels, these stages, they have 
they are masochists and they know how to wear people down. Tell me about level design, Scott. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, so I, I listen, I'm no expert, but I've, uh, I've, you know, been part of making some video games. And usually like it is part of the fun of watching this show is that particularly if you haven't watched it much before, like all of it seems utterly impossible to do. Um, like all of it, like there's so much like, Oh, hold on by your fingertips here and like go up and down here and that kind of thing. And like, they usually like plan it out pretty well where it kind of like ramps up difficulty here and there and they work kind of different parts of your body. Um, but it always ends up always pretty much ends up being some sort of, uh, test of kind of hanging from something and like gripping something or like, like, you know, suspending your body in some like ridiculous fashion. Um, and usually they're pretty good. We had talked before about there's only a few times where I think like the obstacles themselves are like actually kind of poorly designed such that like competitors don't really know what to do with them Mm -hmm. and not like in a challenging way. So, So sometimes there's like, a challenge where like no one knows what to do with an obstacle at all, and it's like pretty cool. Like Kevin Bull's whole thing, Kevin Bull, uh, a one of the kind of all star competitors. He is, I would say, he's one of my favorite ninjas. Uh, yeah, he 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 opens now a he opened a gym in Thousand Oaks called Dojo Boom. I'm giving you mm-hmm. a plug right now. Uh, that is like a mini warrior gym. Like there is some trampolines, like a sky zone. And then on the far end is some rock climbing walls and then a bunch of foam pits with simulated obstacles. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, it, you don't see that with most any other game shows. Like you don't see that yeah. with like... I want to a Jeopardy like training facility. Hi, please come to my facility. We'll ask you questions about colleges and state capitals. Uh-huh. No, that doesn't happen. But there is this physical thing where I think a lot of people watch this show and then they want to try it. So here's a guy going, fine, here. And There's it, a whole little ecosystem of these now. It uh, is. Of ninja, of ninja gyms. I think there's one here in Pittsburgh somewhere. It um, has to be. Because the, the, they did a... What was it? They did one in Philly, I believe. They did one. In there, there was a Pittsburgh. There was a Pittsburgh. Yeah, there was. It was down at the waterfront over in like Homestead, uh, just like right, like you know, where a um, like maybe five ten minutes drive out out of Pittsburgh city limits, um, kind of near uh, Braddock. Uh, you know, this is for all the people who know around Pittsburgh geography. Uh, but like, I've driven past that particular kind of old. Uh, kind of shut down steelworks like all the time. So I, I saw that in the background of it. I'm like, holy shit! I know exactly where that is. It is. Uh, it's, that's the fun part. Is uh, we, there's a lot of things we have to do, that, but that's like the that's the background. We're talking just the classic format of the obstacle course. They just got mm-hmm. go through an obstacle course, and if they and the fastest people move on to the city finals. The fastest people on that move on to the finals in Vegas, where there is stage two, stage three, and Mount Midoriyama. Yeah, and no one ever wins, except for these two guys. Except for these two people, because the rule is if you fall in the water, you lose, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. It's like, if you fall, you lose. That's no, there's no other, if you, I mean, there are other, there are other rules in terms of like challenge production. Like, if you put both hands on an I-beam, that's considered a fail. If you put, if you do a split, this is a fail. If you mm-hmm. run to the site and skip the obstacle, that's a fail. You, your hand must touch all three doors at least once. Otherwise, it's a fail. Yeah. 
You can always tell too that sometimes people weren't aware of the rules, <laughs> um, or like misheard or something, and then they get so, red light, or as I call yeah. it, the fill lights, because it's just this big red beam just jumping in on them. Well, uh, well, because like, and you'll see them; they'll be kind of confident, like, "Wow, I got through that really easy," and then like they'll look around, like, "Ah, shit." Uh, and then yeah. they have to go through um, different... Then they have that sideline reporter like, tell me what happened. <laughs> it's like, oh, I put my foot on the thing. Yeah, it sucks, but and I'll some be back PA next year. kind of said, oh. Um, so, the, so if they complete all three obstacles in Mount Midoriyama, they win. There's not really any time limit anymore. The Sasuke time limit kind of disappeared. It, yeah, it's only in some of the Midoriyama stages that they still have it, but not, not all of them. Um, I think it's the second one. The first and second stages in vegas midoriyama still have timers but i think that's it for like the whole the whole yeah. show and now that we've explained basically the format now the obstacles are different some are just running up something some are some variations of monkey bars some are variations of hanging flipping from one spot to another trampoline there was that trampoline thing you were talking about the yeah that was probably the worst designed obstacle it's hard to explain uh uh via just you know just describing it but it, it was an obstacle in which you the easiest way through and the and the way that actually seemed like the way it was pushing you through where it wanted you to go actually disqualified you you had to kind of like you know because most of these things are just simple traversal with a few rules like can't use your feet here but otherwise just get through it however you can um whereas this one you had to drop from a hanging bar onto a trampoline and then kind of jump up and grab this unstable board and kind of use your fingertips to kind of like hike your way over to the end and uh, onto the platform. But when you drop down onto that trampoline, it actually would launch you. You'd kind of, it would kind of just by itself launch <laughs> like you over you onto the platform. And so that was, it was way like the, you couldn't just go across the obstacle. You had to kind of go back and, and do something that felt like really unnatural. And it was kind of a, a weird thing for these obstacles because they're usually just get from A to B. And here's all the problems you're going to have to deal with in between. Whereas this one was, you have to get to, from A to B, but in a way that doesn't feel particularly natural. And we're just going to disqualify a zillion people for bouncing to the end because it seems like the incredibly obvious thing to do. That was probably the, the one of the only obstacles I've seen that was like, this is just poor like level design. <laughs> Like, this is like, you're telling the player to do something and then kind of uh, disqualifying them by uh, having it obey different rules than anything else. Uh, a, a classic Switch puzzle, and they're not putting the barrel on the Switch. Yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, you see that in games sometimes where it's like, uh, this is just like, they're, they're throwing a curveball and then there's just like, yeah, you're not really teaching your player how to do this and this is not like an evolution of this designer and this is not kind of in kind with everything else and this is just kind of frustrating and it was frustrating to watch because it was like well this isn't like skill or <laughs> this person kind of digging deep or whatever this is they're kind of having to intuit the rules of this thing as they go in kind of a, a bad way but for the most part the challenges are just really straightforward and extraordinarily difficult and what's cool is there's a lot of audience suggestions. Like the last couple of seasons, they've done audience suggested obstacles and implemented yeah. them in the. And famously, one of the guys who designed one of the obstacles ran the course and did really well. That's something that we need to bring up. Is I think I'm going to put that in, at the near the end. 
because I think that's like the big talking of why is this an important show worth talking about too. Uh-huh. We got to talk about the presentation because after all, if we're just saying here's an obstacle course and complete it, don't hit the water, you lose. Mm-hmm. That would just be interpreted many different ways. Depends on which game show you can get a host to just state on every obstacle and then like just go, if you could do this, you win $5,000. We'll find out after the break. Mm-hmm. No, this is not that kind of game show. No. This is a sports presentation of a game show. This is a game show, but it's presented as a game as, as a sports show. The host is not a host. It's a pair of hosts. It's Matt Eisman and Akbar Baja Biamia. I finally got your last name correctly after messing with it every time. And Akbar is just the, like, we were debating this before the recording. Who's, who's better, Matt or Akbar? Oh, uh, I kind of want both of them to live next door and approve of me. <laughs> it's like, I, I want both of them being like, yeah, great, great job, Scott. I'd be like, thanks, Akbar. Um, so, so Matt Eisman, uh, he once hosted a cleanup show. He once hosted a show where he cleans people's houses. Jeez, really? Yeah, and then he hosted Sports Soup on the Versus Network, which is owned by E, mm-hmm. which is owned by G4, and that's how he got the hosting gig for American Ninja Warrior oh, okay. Challenge. So that's why he's one of the hosts on this version, because you've been here since day one. We're keeping you, Matt. Uh, and, and Akbar was originally not really the host. Akbar kind of came. <laughs> he's yeah. like the new person. Uh, and Akbar is an, M- is an NFL player and, and now he's an NFL athlete and he offered uh, a lot of things that i think can't be described by anyone else like in terms of if matt is supposed to be the hype man of the show like he's supposed to be the guy preaching like look at the ninjas go they're flying they're flying they're what gonna a night in tampa go yeah. Here's here's Akbar going, but you have to point out the athleticism involved here. There's a lot of upper body strength. There's a lot of grip strength. He always talks about L's. You got to get those L's, which is like when you're flexing your arms at like a 45 degree angle when you're hanging off of something. As soon as you lose the L's, oh, that's Akbar right. Akbar is going to mention it. He's going to talk about the lactic acid and then lactic acid. He loses his lactic acid. He loses. Yeah. Also, I got a lactic acid buildup. Ah. Also, uh, now it's time for a deep cut in the world of, of video games and game shows together. Before Akbar, do you know who was one of the hosts of American Ninja Warrior? Before we got to Blair. Blair was the first host to Allison mm-hmm. Halsip. Then we got to Jimmy Smith as the co-host in seasons two and three. But season four, when they finally did the Las Vegas and the half million dollar prize, it wasn't Akbar. Oh, really? No. You know who it was? Who was it? Mr. What if it snowed in San Francisco himself? Johnny Mosley. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) So I don't think that would work because Matt is theatrical. He is over the top presentation, the kind of thing you want. He is like. Definitely sounds like he's just got that sports announcer voice. Like you expect to hear him like an NFL game's about to go off or something. He is about to go down the line and Whoa, there is just no quitting this guy. No quitting. This man this ninja it might as well be a gathering of the juggle is how many times they say ninja yeah, in the show. I've thought about this so many times. Like <laughs> I don't know how the how ICP somehow got away with replacing basically the N word with ninja. Like, because that was that's kind of basically what they they kind of use it interchangeably as you would kind of expect uh, or whatever. And like um, the 
So like whenever I like hear like Ninja Warrior, I'm like I always like I'm like how did ICP get away with that? Where they're just like, well, we're white guys and we want to do rapping, but we can't say the n word, so we'll just call everyone ninjas. And it's like this is they don't call them contestants; they just yeah. say they're ninjas. It's yeah, the, no, everyone's a ninja, even if you've never, you know, you've never beaten anything. You are a ninja just for showing up. You are a ninja for showing up. And Akbar, he is the. I would say he's the perfect counter to Matt. If mm-hmm. Matt is the guy who is just over the top theatrical, Akbar is the one that will say puns. <laughs> he is the one that's punny. Oh God, he has. He's just like he's got. He's such a dad. He's just. He's got it, like, like a dad two dads. Boy. It's two dads. It's two dads, and like I said, you just crave the approval. <laughs> one is one is like the baseball coach dad. And then the others, the dad who just wants their kid into a sport, doesn't matter which one, just yeah, a sport. Just like, great hustle, great to just showing up. Uh, and then Akbar is going to talk about like your fucking deltoids or something. Um, but he's Akbar, like you I said, super look at horny. those triceps. Those triceps are enough. <laughs> That's right, Matt. And wow, yeah, like, um, but like, yeah, like I said, he's he's corny, so he'll be like, oh, sugar. You know, when yeah. that happens, it'd be like someone like got gets up the warp wall in some unexpected manner, and he's like, "Shut the front door." Are you seeing what I'm seeing, Matt? Are you seeing what I'm seeing, yeah. Matt? So good. Are you seeing? They and they really they they have really like it's such inane banter most of the time. Like a lot of sports announcing, like you got to fill time. Yeah. Um. And Matt, those ring those rings are no joke or something. And you're like, I picked one of them up, and they're, and they're like, like, I already know they're no jokes. These are ten pound rings. <laughs> Um, but like, uh, yeah, they are, they're fantastic. And then there's like the, the, on the ground, uh, people. And they're uh, the supporters, the moral, oh, the sideline people or the moral support? Oh, both. Like there, there's a lot of action going on on the sidelines in this show. Um, oh, they're getting a new silent reporter this season. Oh, are they? Yeah, I just checked. <laughs> they, uh, there's a new sideline reporter every what, two or three seasons or something. Yes. I think they, they go on to do something else. Allison Hysup was the first one. Because G4, mm. you guys remember a show called X-Play and Attack of the Show? Woo! And then Angela X-Play. Soon, and then, yeah, Bet- Jen Brown. Christine Lee was mm-hmm. uh, the most recent one. Zuri Christine Hall Lee. is going to be the new one. Okay. Uh, uh, Zuri is a co-anchor on E! News. So it's there you still, go. So it still follows. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, it seems like all, like, the kind of sideline reporting is, yeah, people who have um, kind of, uh, yeah, like, some sort of sports channel or entertainment kind of uh, commentating or reporting now, I, I was, I, uh, now, I'm not going to try and compare this to Wipeout, because I don't mm-hmm. think this is Wipeout at all. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could argue, you can somewhat argue in this case, of there is a comedian and someone who is a sports correspondent. Matt mm-hmm. is a comedian, and Akbar is a sports commentator, even though it, it really is almost flipped. <laughs> mm. And then you have the beauty, the the good looking lady as the sideline recorder. When the case of it's a format, yeah. So that's kind of a similar format in that regard. But unlike Wipeout, where they're playing the Wipeouts for jokes, and that's the whole point is they're fi- they're falling into water. Ha ha. This is a show where you're rooting against that. Yeah, you are. Um, this is maybe the most earnest show on television. It is the most positive game show. Like aside from maybe yeah. the Price is Right in some regard. Uh, well, no, because even like the Price is Right, there's a little kind of like wry commentary from like the host or whatever. It's kind of like oh, a little kind of like a knowing glance here and there. 
or a joke at someone's expense. Like this entire show is just like dig deep and be inspiring. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's a sports package. So the contestants, the ninjas, when they're at the starting line, they're not screaming, being contested like characters. They're kind of just warming up, stretching. And then you hear Matt Eisman like, this new person is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let's give it up for Mr. Scott Benson. And then here's Scott's like resume and interview. And it's like, yeah. So each of these or a lot of these people, I assume they shoot them for just about any contestant and then just pick whichever they want to kind of highlight. But they have these little vignettes that are shot kind of about, you know, their backstory. And they'll usually, you know, who they are, where they're from and stuff. But it'll it'll be something like Matt will introduce it with like, but Scott's here, you know, with an inspiring story or like he's not just running for his own glory tonight. And it'll be, you know, it'll be like some sort of hardship or I'm a cop, or I'm a troop, or... All cops are ninjas! Yeah, like, there's there are so many cops and so many troops on this show. Uh, there was a so troop it'll... special! They did a troop special! They had all military ones. Oh, shit, yeah, I watched that one, yeah. And it was funny, because a bunch of the people that are normal, like, that are kind of all-stars on the show all the time are former troops, and so they were all just on that episode. And everyone, I think that, to me, honestly, I think that was just a cop-out. Just, it's like, we know you love these contestants, so we're bringing them back, but we're not bringing them back in a qualifier. We're bringing them back for this special. Yeah. Um, just gotta spread that content out. Oh, um, yeah, Matt Iceman. Also, the most recent winner of The Celebrity Apprentice. I forgot to bring that up. Oh, really? But it was a Schwarzenegger. Not that guy. Not okay. Cheeto uh, Baby Hand Drump. Oh, shit. You've owned him. He now has to now. resign. He now has to resign. Uh, Kofefe. <laughs> you know what goes great with Kofefe? Ham- hamburg- hamburgers. Hamburgers. Yeah, God. Um, <laughs> this is one of the things that you don't want to do with this show. Because you get kind of attached to some of these people. Or you're just like rooting for them over the, over the, uh, the season. these are real right? earnest happy people. Like these are not even like their character is... Like, can you just be a little happier? Can you just clap for other... No, like, they're legit just like, no, we want you to win. I don't... So what you don't want to do is look up these people's social medias because you you get to figure out which ones are Trump supporters. (laughs) Which ones are anti-vaxxers, too? Don't forget that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's that. Like, um... (laughs) Like, as I'm watching this show, I'm like, oh, God, Trump supporter, Trump supporter, Trump supporter. Because, like, a, a giant chunk, a huge chunk of, of the player base, the ninjas on this show, are wealthy, kind of suburban or ex-urban white guys. Uh, <laughs> like, just loads of them. Our, and... next conte- our next contestant, our next ninja, is a 34-year-old stockbroker from, really, from New York. Yeah, there, there's so much of that, and so you're like, oh god, this is the exact demographic. And but that would make sense though, if you think about it, because actually, this is hard to bring up. Because I mean, like, I think that would make sense because if your idea is to be a ninja warrior contestant, and that means work out and be a ninja, how many hours you train a day is probably the dependent because you're thinking yeah. treating it like any other sport. So any common person out there can't really be a contestant because they have to work 20, 30, 40 hours a week, maybe even longer, that they yeah. won't have the time to, say, afford healthy diets and mm-hmm. then train in a gym for another five, six hours a day. I started noticing the kind of like um, kind of wealth aspect of this like pretty early on. And 
Because it would be kind of uh, strange when you'd see a contestant who clearly didn't have that. Because you got kind of used to being like, I have a ninja gym. We built it out in like my, you know, in my garage, and you're just this cavernous garage with all this equipment in it, or in the backyard, or like I spend all my time doing this, and like. But occasionally, you'd see someone, and, and wrapped up in their story is how they even do this, and it's something like, yeah, I work three jobs, and this is just all that I do outside of it, or something, or that, or that guy who like lived in a van. Jeff, and, uh, Jeff, Isaac, Isaac, who won? Yeah. He was, funny thing about Isaac, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Well, and, and like a busboy. They talked about him being a busboy yeah. a bunch. So the funny thing is, so Isaac, he kind of like, yeah, he kind of looked like this kind of like hippie. Like I live out in a, in a van in like Colorado and, you know, work odd jobs and uh, smoke a lot of pot and climb things. And that was his jam. And he's really good at it and um, stuff. And uh, so he won a million dollars. And he kind of stopped competing after that for a few seasons. And then he came back and he, he had like cut his hair. He was wearing like a polo shirt and like khakis. Oh. It, was very, it was really funny because it was just the like, oh, he got money. And then like they showed his house and like he just looked like he basically lived in a golf course. It was really <laughs> funny. It's like, oh, shit, you got money and like totally changed. Uh, his girlfriend was nowhere to be found. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like Isaac, man, the money changed you. I don't know anything about this man's life, but like, um, it was uh, it was really funny watching it. Or I was just like, "Geez, man, million dollars went right to your head. Now you're dressing like the man." <laughs> uh, it was funny. I don't know why I expected him to still be living in like a van. Like that was somehow like integrity. I mean, as maybe he to- still maybe it was like a Mercedes Benz van. Like that was big. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Uh, but like, but aside from him, there was like a few people, um, that, you know, were very much like, yeah, I don't have any money getting here was like difficult, but you know, this is like my jam. But that's like, but for the most part, it's people who already have careers as like gymnasts or like, I'm a professional parkour guy on on YouTube, or I'm a rock climbing champion and that, and then just a whole bunch of fucking blue lives matter motherfuckers, like, (laughs) Who have it's, just a lot of time and money? Who no, built we're Ninja not overthrowing gyms. all the Catholics and Christians on the show. We're not. I'm not doing that. Oh shit! So God, <laughs> this show has more Christians than there are actually Christians in reality. Like, <laughs> like if you count the number of people on the show that are professional Christians of some sort, like worship leader or a missionary or a youth leader or a pastor. Or something like that. That is like a good third of the audience, or a good third of the contestants. And a lot of the returning ones, um, I forget her name. One of the returning uh, kind of champions, uh, name starts with an M. It's not Megan Martin. I forget what her name is, but like I know you're talking about Michelle. No, 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 no. I almost said Brittany, but no, he said M. Anna Marva Marva I'm going straight to the I'm straight going straight to the last the most recent the fu- finals because she was there she was in the finals uh, the, the, yeah the, 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 I think so Drew Brashel was in Ultimate Cliffhangers Sean Bryan was there da, 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 da. Mathis the kid remember the kid oh yeah the kid because they lowered the age uh, limit recently Mike Mike I love Mikes <laughs> some of Mikes some Bills some Steves rj and, and some of them have like nicknames like i am the sonic runner because i have blue Jesse hair like flex, sonic the hedgehog and go really jesse fast. flex uh, lebrec or flip flip wilson 
Yeah. <laughs> Flip, uh, what's his last name? Rodriguez. Flip Rodriguez. The man with the mask. The, uh, the, masks, the mask ninja. The mask, m- mask singer. The mask. Yeah, he had a mask on. Like, this guy wore this mask uh, for, like, several seasons. I want to say, like, six seasons or something. It was only recently he took it off um, and stuff. But, yeah, he that was his whole jam is he had a, – a, he's a parkour guy from, like, Florida – who I think he's a stunt man now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he would wear this kind of. There's also a lot of really... people here too, because of chase sequences, which makes sense. Yeah. Well, so like Jesse Graff, who yes. is like uh, great and one of like the kind of all stars that keeps kind of returning. Uh, she's a stunt woman. She was uh, most recently she couldn't compete in the Vegas finals because she was working on the new Wonder Woman movie. 1984 I... Wonder Woman. <laughs> like. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one where they fight the commies. Finally, you know. Finally, someone's taking the communists down a peg. Finally, finally taking this. I like that. Like it's like you're going against the 1984 Soviet Union, where things are just not going very well. <laughs> it's not like you're like, oh yeah, we're up against you know, like the the full might of the Soviet Empire. It's like, no, nah, this is 84, man. People are smuggling in blue jeans. <laughs> and and if you want to go into other thing, like other people own like ninja gyms, like yeah. Kevin Bowl, which I explained. Which by the way, nice gym. I could barely do any of the obstacles because. I have like very thin spaghetti arms, so it doesn't work. I couldn't I'm, do any of these. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even attempt it. I, I will think. tell you right now, though. I can do the warped wall. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah, I could do the warped wall. That's really impressive. Uh, but if you're telling me do the upper body like swing the 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 spin cycle, no. <laughs> None of these I could do. But like, then again, it's because I'm tall. Right? It's because I'm tall. That's the only reason I could probably get through it. Long arms and I'm tall. If you're like over six foot, if you're over six foot and pretty lean, uh, you're going to, that is, that is the bod to have for this. Um, you know, Which I guess is mine. So I guess I got train. I guess what we're learning is I have to be a train to be on American Ninja Warrior now. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> if you're not on next season, you're, you know, a coward. Our next contestant is 30-year-old Jordan Haas. He has a podcast about game shows. Uh, <laughs> and then like, they would do like your kind of like human interest segment, and you'd have to come up with some reason why it's inspiring that you're on the show. I like the show because I like watch a lot of game shows and not a lot of participation. And I thought I could get out there. I could do that one day. And with money, I could live a better life. <laughs> All right, well, here's Jordan going up. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, he just face-planted in the first obstacle. You hate so, to see that, Akbar. Yeah, he just isn't coordinated, Matt. You see, the problem is he put his left foot forward and then tripped and fell face-first into the water. <laughs> The problem is that he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it at all. You actually bring up a, a thing here, which is that um, the, you know, talking about the kind of like relative wealth and kind of, and uh, of a lot and uh, of the people who are on the show a lot. Um, again, not all, but a lot. And it's funny because, you know, they can win like a million dollars and a million dollars means very different things to these competitors. Like, a million dollars for this one guy is like, yeah, so I can go on a nice vacation. And the other one's like, I went to my daughter in college. I need to. <laughs> like, it's like really, really different stakes for different kinds of people on the show. It is. Um, and it's like, that's the worst. That's the only thing I can be. But that's not his naysay American Ninja Warrior. That's naysay just million dollars as prizes on game shows. Yeah. Well, it's the fact of like a million dollars as like a thing that you have 
as opposed to like a million dollars as in like I could I really need this in order to actually have some sort of life. Yeah. Right. Like it's like that old game show debt. Oh, we are talking about debt with Wink Martindale soon. It's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, shit. You need to talk about that in Supermarket Sweep. I already did Supermarket Sweep. I need to have a guest on for that again. I Hey, Dan Reichard from Giant Bomb. If you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hit me up. Get Dan. Dan. On uh, Supermarket Sweep. That'd be great. No, but God, debt. Yeah, like everyone was in debt financially, and they answered trivia questions. Yeah. But and that, the entire thing was because this was like the 80s or like this 90, was the early 90s, 90, mid 90s. And the people who did that show did win Benstein's money and went on to do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, shit. OK, yeah, that's very, very similar type of type of things. God, he wants to be a millionaire. I hated that show, but uh, <laughs> it was so dry and annoying. Uh, but but that but that had one twist to it that I actually think people forget. And I'll I'm not going to spoil it for the because I don't have that for the guest is the at the end, the final round is a is a bonus round where if you get 10 questions right in 60 seconds they pay off your debt and then that's supposed to be like the end like oh you got your debt paid or you can go one final question be a risk taker and not only do you get your debt paid off i will give you that money in cash jeez uh, but if you fail you go back to where you were 30 minutes prior to the game and stay in debt what do you do <laughs> it's an interesting like you could have that show now but they, people will be talking about they different did. things. They do. It's called paid off. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. So, like, debt as it stood then, just I don't want to take material from your debt cast, but what's interesting about that now is that back then it was a lot of consumer debt. Yes. Right, like it they was were called a lot big spenders on the show. That's yeah, big. like oh, this lady loves to buy things and stuff. That because, was the intro. My name is Stephanie, and I love shoes. Yeah, that kind of thing where they would really talk about like, well, these are just irresponsible consumers, and it was because you know in the in the 80s and into the 90s, like credit cards were just being pushed hugely, hugely. Uh, it was like that was like the huge rise of that. So. You know, this show was kind of playing off that fact, and now nowadays it would just be student loans, <laughs> or like it's I had to off. live off a credit card for two years. Oh no, that that's paid off now. Yeah. Uh, so True TV is similar to debt. So it's everyone plays money to pay off their debt, and in the bonus round, they have to get eight questions right in sixty seconds, and for each one they get right is a percentage off their debt. All six, uh, all eight of them, and you get all it paid off. And this is like eighty thousand, ninety thousand, hundred thousand debts. Yeah. And uh, and it's like if you got seven, it's half. So they kind of had like a, a price for you in that regard. And the category selection is your two choices. Know your major or don't know your major. So it's your eight category. It could be off science. You, you were a geology major. We'll give you eight, que- like so many questions on geology or mm-hmm. general knowledge, your choice, which is the questions you've already been asked throughout the game. Mm-hmm. So pop culture, yeah. and that adds it's a new not, hook to it. And not, some of them have been paid off. And when that moment happens, like there is like not a there's a teary eye in the entire room. Like everyone's crying and feeling good for the person. It's so fucking sadistic. It is. <laughs> oh no, this is the this is why I I kind of say why are you a leftist and you watch all these game shows and all these things? It's because no one should be on these game shows playing to pay off student debt or or yeah. pay for like their mom's health care they this should all be provided for them so they never have to worry about this like there it should be fun of, money there's a lot of this it really is just 
this makes sense and these stories make sense. So, like, for example, like Ninja Warrior, the way it sells itself is these are stories of human triumph. It is. This is like these are people who are hustling the most. These are people who are gifted in some way. These are people who are going up against tremendous challenges. There's that human aspect of it that you don't I, get in a lot of shows. I was um, an Olympic gold medalist. I was playing in the 2004 Olympics. I was a gymnast, got the gold medal. Everyone cheered for me. But then uh, I was training for the 2008 Olympics, and I twisted my ankle, and I tore my ACL, and now I can't compete. Yeah. One guy, by the way, was really funny because um, he... Uh, there was some intro. I'm going to paraphrase it because it was because again they're throwing to the here's you know the hardship this person you know went through to get here, and it was something like um, it's like blah blah. This guy builds houses, which is ironic because one almost killed him. Our <laughs> like, house literally fell on this guy, like he was in fucking Wizard of Oz. Uh, his dumbass brother that he was doing construction or demolition with or something ran a backhoe or something into the house while the guy was in it and he just got tra- uh, trapped in it that's but that was one of my favorite like throws to like the footage like he was nearly killed by a house um but like so like american ninja warrior sells itself as this you know thing of triumph and i think that it, it works in in some ways because a lot of the people who are running it clearly don't need the money but oh, when you get you... to that desperation that I would have, that most people would have for like, oh my God, a million dollars, this would like change so many things about life in this way, in this kind of like horrible... Like... Scott, it's not about the money. It's I want to win. I want to be the next American Ninja Warrior. There's something about though, like paid off or debt. I, I There's something about the, how just blatant it is. Like you need help. Like... Oh, you know, no, like the, the best part about paid off is the host uh, is, is basically telling people, like, call your representatives, call your congressmen. This should not be a show. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. Please put us out of business. <laughs> no, like they had like one was like, here, here is a giant thank you. Here, if your consolation prize is we're giving you like $2,000 and here's a giant thank you card that you can send to Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> God. Like, that's their joke. Uh, yeah. I would like to look back. I, I would like to think that sometime in the nearer future, we can look back on this and just be like, God, remember when we had to have fucking game shows to try to pay off your student debt? Yeah. <laughs> like, Ninja Warrior, though, they don't, they apparently they do pay off at some point. I think there's like 10,000 at some point. Like there is some money, and, and, and but they never really disclose that on the show because they want the focus to be the million dollars and the storytelling aspect of the contestants. Yeah. So one of the things about um, uh, that uh, kind of a corollary to that is um, as I was watching it, I was starting to think like, so the people who aren't super wealthy, right. Don't are just like, you know, men of leisure or something. Yeah, this is not like, just, not this up here. <laughs> these are uh, Batman people. Uh, the, um, but like, so, and I, w- I was like, so you're on this show and there's a lot of other ninja properties and I was thinking, I was like, so you like to do this though, to make it out to these things every year to train, like that's just gotta like, how do you make a living doing this? Because a lot of times you're going to have to at least take a long time off your job. And most people can't do that. Um, and so I kind of looked it up and there's like, you kind of, if you do well in Ninja Warrior, they do, do well enough, like you, um, uh, you can spin that 
by itself into a career of some sort. Like, like for instance, some people get endorsements like Palm Wonderful or, or yeah. New Balance. Uh-huh. Uh, others uh, get paid by the company. Like, you know, hey, we're doing this thing for Ninja Warrior with Ellen. Are you interested in flying to Los Angeles and saying hello? Yeah, There's okay, that. we'll fly you out, give you a hotel room, and here's like 500 bucks because they're that. Mm. There, well, there's also, there's that. There's other shows that are within like the ninja verse. Yes. This um, is because so, the best part about the show is the humanity. Everyone does root for each other. There's no naysaying, there's no reality show backstabbing. I think so and so sucks. He's my biggest threat. You're going down. Not even like the Woo Siren contestants. Like, Woo, you tell Midoriyama to suck it. None of yeah. that. It's all wholesome, all nice, all positive. Uh, and I think because of that, it has this nice cold audience that they spun it off into a variety of shows. Yeah, so many. So, so many. So we want... The, that was the one we saw tonight was one of them. But we there's uh, Team Ninja Warrior where it's three-on-three teams going through the obstacles. Mm-hmm. There's the USA versus the World special. Technically, that's a spinoff. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, where they they bring over some of the all stars from Japan, or some of them it was just kind of like a more international type of. There was a USA versus Japan, I remember, um, and I just remember a lot of the Japanese contestants. Like two of the guys were like taking it really seriously to the point yeah. where I felt like, really bad for them because I'm like, at the end of the day, it's some pretty goofy shit. Like, like when it's they really... fall in the water, they're just slapping it like they're angry. <laughs> Yeah, and like kind of like crying on the side of it, and I was like, "Dude, it's cool, man." It's Meanwhile, right. like everyone else, even if they're like the biggest elite ninja contestants, when they fall, they just kind of just shrug and go, "Ah, oh, well, next year." Which is yeah. actually, you know what? Now, before we get to the spinoffs, that is something I actually have to address as a positive thing about the show. On a lot of game shows, contestants are disposable; they're thrown yeah. out after like their run, like a Ken Jennings on Jeopardy, unless they get invited back for a special. So the, the the contestants on Ninja Warrior, they can come back season after season and get yeah. better. And they're expected to. Like, and so you get these years long storylines, you know, of like, oh, Katie, Casey Cat Nazaro and I forget his other his name Drew. something were like a couple and they had a gym together, but then they broke up and stuff and like they had like a whole thing and then like their dog died or something and so then like the next one was like dedicated to the memory of doozer or whatever um and or like you know different people trying to get like a business uh, up or something like that like there's there's so many um these like kind of lengthy storylines so they they kind of need people to keep coming back and these can people go on to becoming like the celebrity that's why people are like I root for Kevin Bowl. I root for Drew. I root for Mighty Casey or Jesse or all these. Yeah. People. And Casey do you, do you is have like, any? Do you have any favorites? I mean, I liked Casey, but now Casey's in WWE, and that's yeah. kind of like oh. <laughs> as much as I like wrestling, oh. I uh, I don't know enough about wrestling to have an opinion on it. I was just like, well, good for you. You you have a you have a career that you've spun off of this ridiculous. Uh, Kevin Bowl, though, I will still say because because. Because his the big they were going with him was alopecia, so it's kind of yeah, like yeah. okay, that's. Uh, I, I I definitely liked Flip because with that one time he brought like a whole group of children that he teaches over. Yeah, Flip's got an entourage of like street children or something. I don't like, really it is, know. So it's like not even like it's like a, a much like a whole school of like hundreds of kids. Yeah, like they're just like yeah, Flip, and, then, and the like, producers like, they don't care because the producers are like that's a good story, like that's a contestant. Yeah. There's his people. He come on, who cares? 
As long yeah, as he's, he can... he's there to inspire, okay? Everyone is there to inspire someone. And the thing like... is, I think it does work. I think they have done a job of inspiring, because if there's these ninja gyms out there, and people are going and, and checking out the obstacles and getting into this ninja obstacle course thing, that they actually inspire the next generation of contestants, which means this game show can stay on for another 10 years, 15 yeah, years, 20 years. Yeah, there's no reason to stop making this show at all. Like... Unless somehow they just lose ratings or somehow fuck up the formula, which could happen. Like, like there's like just pool, no reason to ever stop doing it. Um, uh, it just could go on forever. They have never, they have been nominated for Emmys and never won. The oh. last three years. Never won. What a crime. Um, what were they nominated for? They've, they've been nominated uh, for the Kids' Choice Award and never oh. won either. <laughs> kids don't have taste. Come on, kids. You get on that. Get it together, kids. I, I think now is the time to get Ninja Warrior an award. Uh, but uh, Mondays at 8 is usually when they air, so I'm guessing this time, uh, the 29th is when it airs. So yeah, makes sense. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited uh, for the new season. So After, since I ran out of episodes, I'm like really sad. So there's spinoff shows. There yeah. is Ninja vs. Ninja, which is like play the same course at the same time, like a drag race. Yeah. There's... Uh, Team Ninja War, which is Ninja vs. Ninja, but with teams of three. That, and that happened, that was the older one, I believe. So there is, um, there was an older one, uh, there was a team of three, it was filmed uh, in the daylight, which is, and, uh, which is great, because then you get to see Matt and Akbar and they're casual. Yes, and uh, they wear the weirdest polo. <laughs> yeah, just like total golf dad polos. Uh, in shorts, and- tacky shorts. Yeah, they're, <laughs> to get, they're just relaxing. And um, so, uh, yeah, there's so that one that then moved to the Esquire Network or USA or something and got rebranded as um, Ninja versus Ninja or something. Yes. Um, so, yeah. There's then that, there there's, is the one that we saw tonight, which you're going to go, what? But I'm telling you right now, I, I think it's, it's one of the more wholesome, better versions called American Ninja Warrior Jr., yeah, I, I had never seen this one before tonight, and, like, those kids, they could beat me up easily. So the ver- this version is similar to Ninja vs. Ninja in College Madness. That was the one I was thinking of. Where it is head-to-head, just like in those versions, but there's three divisions. 9, 10-year-olds, 11, 12-year-olds, 13, 14-year-olds. I, I screwed up the age groups when I was instructing. And each one of these categories is coached by different athletes. So every person gets their own coach, to a mentor, if you will, to help them on understanding the obstacles and the pressure. And just like in the Ninja Warrior show, which is why I think it's such an appeal, it's, it's such a positive show that all the ninjas root for each other and they want everyone to succeed. They just want someone to beat the course. Like everyone, they want to see someone yeah. succeed. Someone please beat this thing. Uh, so this show, those same contestants are now helping these little like 10 year olds out in in figuring out how to operate these different equipment Mm -hmm. and in one clip that we saw there was near the end this is on youtube by the way you can watch this right now on youtube thanks to dreamworks tv there was a moment where this kid had a severe anxiety Mm -hmm. and like you would expect a child to have under this much pressure and he's like looking at the camera he's looking at the crowd he is like freaking out and keep in mind he's already done the course like twice this is a tournament style bracket like he's familiar mm-hmm. with the course he's already aced it twice and he's now like panicking because this is like the big final to get to the big finale and she he's panicking and he's freaking out 
and uh who was i think it was megan martin megan uh, it was uh actually i remember this because she has such a great name barclay Stockett. barclay uh, she she was she was the coach uh for barclay that was the mentor and she was and she was basically saying like look it, i understand there's a lot of pressure but you know what you, you it shouldn't be in your sh- and then she's like pointing at the shoulder you're feeling it here and you're definitely feeling it in your heart but that heart's also telling you that you love doing this and everyone here is here to support you they're not against you no matter how you do today as long as you're having fun it's great and you're doing your best and we already know you can do it and that's why we all believe in you and then they have a big hug and it's like oh man this is great so nice it was so it was so good was and then good it gets quickly abrupted to matt eisman going you see when you're in the ninjas it's more than just a sport it's a family <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking like okay is this like fast and furious this is like the mafia now yeah. like huh. <laughs> all about family uh god oh nice uh work on this spin cycle would something really bad happen to your ankles <laughs> god I am shocked that those children could make it through those obstacles. Oh, no, these are, like, weird... I mean, like, I'm not saying weird, like, weird, but, like, these are over-muscular kids. Yeah, like, I don't, I've never seen a child, like, work out in this fashion. Like, but these kids obviously have to be hitting a, a gym uh, because they've just got muscles on muscles. And, and like, really great names. Like, holy yeah. cow. Uh, <laughs> and these are all with... And this is still Matt Eisman and Akbar. <laughs> like hosting this um so apparently there were 192 contestants in the first season of american mm-hmm. Warrior jr that's just a lot of dreams crushed <laughs> a lot of, unless you're three of them the grand prize is fifteen thousand dollars that's a ton for a child i wonder how much that kid gets to keep and how much just just going directly to parents second place gets seven thousand five hundred third place five thousand third place twenty five hundred so that's thirty thousand dollars per division. That's ninety thousand dollars in total prize money given away. That's just a lot of money. The, what do you put? What do you put it to at that age? Like, if you're the parents, is that just going in like the college fund or I something? I'm. I mean, Double Dare gives away like money too now. I would uh-huh. say it's the parents would want to put it in college funds, but considering current debts, <laughs> they probably yeah. just take it and cash it on. <laughs> God. They're pay- well, it's paying off the parent-student debt. Yes. Uh, We're going to train our child to do well in competition programs so we can pay off our student debt. Five runs in each age group are played to determine the episode's winner. In each age group, total three winners per episode, one per age group. With each age group, the two runs are seeding races without risk of eliminating. Each run faces another one's loser. Okay. Uh, there was the Sonic Swing, the TikTok, the Spin Cycle, and the Warped Wall. Mm-hmm. That's the obstacles. All right. The Spin now- Cycle would be... Every time I watch that, I'm expecting someone to just dislocate their shoulder. It is, it does, and that's like not even this. It's like you said that wasn't that a tweet you said? Which one? That my arms would fly off if I yeah, was like... yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I've seen like a few people dislocate things on the show, and they've um, and it's happened a few times on. There's there's several American Ninja Warrior kind of um, inspired shows. Uh, Ultimate Beastmaster. Ultimate Beastmaster, I think, being the most prominent one. Uh, which I like. Uh, I like that show. Uh, it's a it, it it's kinda, a live action video game. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. They keep saying it. I heard you like video games <laughs> over and over again. It's like a live action video. It really is like a live action video game. You know, as if these kind of shows don't actually have like a fan base of their own, which they do. 
Like, you don't have to sell it as this is also, like, a video game. But in that show, people get hurt, like, regularly on the obstacles. I don't know if that's by design or if they're just badly made. Oh, but, but it's, like, it's a mix. Well, Ultimate Beastmaster is filmed at the Wipeout course. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the same farm and everything. So it would make sense if they misstepped a few times and... <laughs> People just get, like, their shit fucked up in that show sometimes. And, like, again, not in a way that seems like, oh, that's one of the dangers. It's like, oh, no, we didn't test this properly. And now this guy's arm has popped out. So you just get to watch a lot of, like, joints being corrected. And and Uh, then they really do zoom in on those blood and joints. And it's, like, Um, horrifying to watch. I should mention that, like, uh, Ultimate Beastmaster, again, very similar in a lot of ways. It's, uh, you know, obstacle course. It's set up a little bit differently. It's got a whole dragon theme and and shit. Uh, But the main thing that it brings to the format is that it's a multinational competition. A bunch of different countries send teams. And there are hosts from uh, all the different uh, countries. So it's like, oh, it's like a soccer player here and like a... Uh, TV host here and CM all that. CM Punk was in the most recent one. Yeah, he was great in it. Um, and you're like, is he going to do like a pipe bomb? Like if the US fails, like, look, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. The um, So like they're all kind of like riffing off of each other and kind of like making it's It's like a very playful nationalism, basically, it, where it everyone is. is just kind of being like, yeah, USA and like. Uh, and then they run into like, other people's booths with the flag. Yeah. Like, and like. It's like difficult to understand what's happening sometimes because you don't have like the cultural reference for it. So it's like, oh, something will happen, and then like some team from like some host from somewhere will just like bring out a stuffed donkey, and they're like, oh, he is the donkey now. And I'm like, I don't, okay, sure, I don't understand why, why this is, uh, but it's uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, God. Uh, but the, the the both shows, both uh, Beastmaster and Ninja Warrior, both have that everyone salutes and celebrates each other at the end. Yeah, is, and every flag, like every flag. It's a um, although the first season marketing of Beastmaster was horrendous because they were because they were trying to do the Edge Lord like uh, whoever was yeah. in season one, no participation trophies. Like, yeah, what? and I remember the second one, like at least one of the hosts, like uh, the American host, was being like. A little too like haha let's make fun of this ethnicity to the point where it's like got kind of racist feeling i wonder why they got fired <laughs> in the place know. but like uh but the third season mostly corrected that so. the third season is the best season and and he changed the form the, that format up to be a little a way better uh way of handling the tournament bracket yeah it's uh it was pretty good the 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 main reason to watch earlier ultimate Beastmaster is uh um, three words, Air Force Ken. Uh, <laughs> Air Force Ken is this guy. He's in the first season. And he's one of these guys who, like, in a war movie, he would be the kind of, like, little guy who was, like, full of, like, you know, like, idealism and, like, vim and vigor for, like, the cause and everything. But then he gets, like, blown up by a landmine and it, like... Uh, or like injured terribly and it like inspires the rest of the platoon to do something or whatever like he's just is set up to be the, like the tragic guy overachieving dude and that's kind of who he is in like the show uh air force ken used to talk about how he's in the air force and he's doing this and he like he'll die to like you know for this and he's like he's so intense and whatever and he just kept getting injured he you know, he got so injured at the lab, like he like twisted his ankle. He 
Something got either broken or ripped up or something. In the something, finale. Like, this is the finale episode. Yeah. Air Force fucking Ken, like, he just would not, he just would not quit. And, like, he's, like, one of these guys that you're just, like, your intensity is such that it has this element of, like, self-destructiveness oh, to it. Oh, I looked What's, at social media. <laughs> and? Follows Fox and Friends. Oh, yeah. Well, no, Air Force Ken? You're kidding me. <laughs> yeah, at Ken Corgolano, Air Force Ken. And also, Ben Carson. <laughs> yeah, I assume. Like, he definitely comes off as, like, just kind of like... Well, all of these, like, that's kind of the, the general politics of these shows. Both, I mean, American Ninja Warrior more, I think. Because American Ninja Warrior is, like, it's in the name, America. Like... There are American flags everywhere. Everyone's thinking everyone for their service. You know, um, it's just cops, first responders, troops and Christians. But and, and then it's like, oh, well, you never. But I'm not saying they're all, like Eyes Left is a great podcast to go into. If you're going to military, Eyes Left is a great, great podcast. Yeah, yeah. But man, some of these people, it is it is the. I, I wouldn't say they are racist. I'm not going to say they're the racist kind. I think they're just the blind, ignorant kind. <laughs> you, you say that, but um, I've like, like I was saying, you really take your enjoyment of the show into your own hands when you go and check out the social media of your favorite ninjas. I, I mean, and... I, I, I mean, I could understand the like the overlap, build the wall, beat the wall. I get that, but why would you beat the wall? If if you if you build the wall, like if you're gonna be, build the wall, are you gonna beat the wall if you make it like at a say a half pipe at a nice slit? This is uh this is the thing though. It's like the um, American Ninja Warrior. These people aren't fighting for you know they aren't doing this in honor of their countries or anything. This is for their kind of individual achievement as reflective of the character of the country, if that makes sense. Yes. Like there's no competition where it's like, Ooh, yay, America, because I'm fighting for America. This is like a, uh, there's a particular image of America, this kind of like inspirational bud light version of America. That's a little <laughs> Christian. Um, you know, like, uh, and it's this really particular kind of like NFL Christians, or something, yeah, which is the same that, most that, like mainline Republicans. There um, you go. That makes sense. That, it's, that. it's 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 that kind of vibe. I know because I grew up with that vibe. Like it's that thing of like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Like I live out in the suburbs or the exurbs. I have a pristine Ford F one fifty in the in the driveway. I uh, you know like fishing. I like football. Like every you know, it's very football and. Uh, you know, I go to church or I'm, you know, I'm going to vote for Mitt Romney because he's, you know, uh, you know, he's going to bring, he's going to run the place like a business. And, he's going to run uh, like Domino's Pizza. Yeah. The, the Papa, the, the Papa John's voters, like <laughs> it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing. And, but there's an overlap where there's, you know, there is some progressivism and they have been more, um, kind of like the show has never been like exclusionary necessarily but it's it's too fucking positive like about like everyone like for it to be overtly exclusionary um other than you know can you actually do this physically like but like when they started they didn't really know how to talk about women casey catazara was basically just Oh, look at a little girl. Okay, it'll be funny. She'll go through like two obstacles. We'll call it a day. It'll be great. Yeah. 
they they kind of like and they would always be like wow that's the best we've seen from a woman or like oh that was an amazing run especially since she's a woman like it was kind of like you could tell that they were trying to figure out how to talk about this in a non-terrible manner how do you push casey how do you push casey into the limelight how do you push jesse in the limelight yeah and they're kind of like she's a wonder woman that's right okay wonder woman can can do it okay (laughs) it kind of like eventually it got to the point where there were enough uh, women competing and like doing well like jesse graf megan martin uh casey is kind of like the one who first like got over the wall and stuff um there's a few other people jesse flex lebrec is pretty great um and um like all these uh these these other women so like they stopped kind of remarking on it really uh in that kind of condescending we don't know how to discuss this way um but then like recently one of the runners what'd you say i think they've dropped the whole division it used to be women division men's division now it's just they're all playing against each other yeah i forget how they they changed the rules up recently so to where it's not like because they used to bring a lot more women to Midoriyama via kind of a wild card system, and now it's a lot more like you have to place within X two in order to to get there. Um, but I mean, like they recently had like uh, some some runner, her like girlfriend proposed to her on the side on the sideline afterwards, or she proposed to her girlfriend or something, and it was like the first time I'd ever seen like. <laughs> something not directly heterosexual referenced on that show. Uh, And it was like, oh, that's good. Like you're acknowledging the existence of people who aren't just straight um, or something. So I want to think that it's getting a bit more inclusive, but it's still just that kind of, I don't know, that kind of grr America. America, you're only good if you're physically fit. Otherwise you don't matter. Yeah, basically. Um, you okay. have to be inspiring in some fashion. It's that demand that you be inspiring. Okay. And that's a particular kind of person. Okay, so here you go. You're ready? Here's all the payouts, just so we can clear this up so I don't ever get hate mail from anybody. Don't send the hate mail to, to Scott. Send it to me if you have any problems. So, <laughs> I'll just be baffled. So so it's 1,000 people were season one, 5,000 season six, 50,000. These are all applicants. Mm-hmm. There's 20, 30 walk-ins in select episodes, and they camp out. That's That still holds two to this day. So here's yeah, the days. So here's what it is. Ready? Uh, the mega wall was introduced last season. If they complete the bigger wall, which is an 18 foot wall versus the 14 foot uh, uh, six inch wall, they will get ten thousand dollars. No matter what happens, if ins- if unsuccessful, the competitor will only get one attempt at the warped wall. Mm-hmm. That's that's one prize money. In the sit in the in the finals, uh, there is small prizes of a thousand dollars to five thousand dollars to first, second, third place finisher. Uh, there is a time limit in each of these obstacles. Uh, stage one is supposed to be intentionally agility and speed. It is timed, but you don't really hear it. And the time limit is two minutes thirty five seconds. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, stage two is supposed to be strength and speed. That's where the salmon ladder shows up. Remember the salmon ladder. <laughs> God, the salmon ladder. That thing is... Speaking of dislocated arms... Yes, and this is all upper body. That's why you you're, you're bring up a yeah. lot of... These are going to rip people's... Uh, without running out of times, uh, this time it's four minutes or less for stage three. Stage three is obstacles that have no time limit. This is what makes it the tough. It's upper body grip strength. Uh, only the people who can succeed on stage three go to Mount Midoriyama, which is a 75-foot rope climb if they can hit the buzzer in <laughs> under 30 up. seconds. Yeah. 
So Which that's... is quite an ask, we should point out. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and they have a harness. So if they fall, <laughs> they're safe. Yeah. Because uh, after 30 seconds, they drop the rope. So I'm remembering, I, I said before, I didn't remember the stage one having a timer, but I do now because I know in recent seasons. So the last obstacle is you're on some sort of swing and it kind of varies from time to time. But like, uh, then you go up onto this cargo net and you have to climb this cargo net to get to the yes. buzzer, this little platform. And I know in recent seasons, they've had the time on like a screen so that you can see it as you're, because it's behind the cargo net so you can see it as you're swinging there because usually you don't have much time left so the, the the contestant is like faced with the time ticking down as they're uh as they're trying to make their way up to the uh the uh the platform oh. at the end oh no even worse even like a if you go to american Ninja warrior nation you can see like all sorts of facts about the show which i'm not mm. even going to go through because this is already a pretty lengthy diehard deep dive that we could go into um plus some stuff i don't even know like uh the speed brackets the different looks of the warped wall i don't know different heights but what i do know is that there is actually american ninja warrior video game out right now uh, and i haven't played it yet and i really need to it's it does not look good at all it is out it was our out march 19th I yeah. was thinking to get it's for Switch, I believe. I don't know if it's for PS4 or three. Uh, I do have a Switch, so I can bust that out. We are out at a video game convention industry thing uh, that week when it was out, and I was like, "No, uh, I'll I, save it and ask Jordan. He's played." It. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, I that good. <laughs> it's. I assume it's terrible. It's um. Have you ever played the Super Nintendo version of American Gladiators? Yes. Guess what it plays like? <laughs> that was not a very good game. It plays like a 3D version of that Dang. with wiggle controls. This is all bad. Are there any licensed, like, like actual, like, people you in get it? That like, is, like, Jesse Graff going to hop in? Bar. Oh, okay, cool. Well, at least you got them. Do they actually voice it? Welcome to American Ninja Warrior Challenge. Okay. So you're not getting a whole lot of like, you know, Akbar commenting on the lactic acid. Well, the problem there, Matt, is he didn't press the A button on time with the rhythm, so... <laughs> oh, you hate to see it. There's your problem, Matt. The quick time event just didn't register on time, so he just had to fall into water. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it took this long for them to make a game, and they didn't, like... Like and it isn't just like a mobile game or something. I could, like something that's, that's the thing. I was like, I'm surprised it didn't come out for Wii or like a Wii Fit connection thing. Yeah, because this show has been like pretty popular for a long connect. time now. Like even Connect would make. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The Connect. Uh, real, real quick. Can I uh, can I tell a very unrelated Connect story? Of course, this is your um, episode. Uh, so um, let's start this off by saying I don't believe in ghosts. All right. So. That's a good way to introduce your Kinect story. Um, for people who don't remember the Kinect, the Kinect was a motion um, uh, peripheral uh, for, what was it, the 360? Um, uh, yeah, because the PS had the PS Move, the PlayStation had PS Move in. So this was something for the 360, and it would kind of like uh, motion sense things, kind of like the Wii would. Um, but you didn't always have to be carrying something because it would kind of sense where your body was. Um, and this worked kind of, sort of. Sometimes it worked really well, sometimes it didn't, um, and and so forth. But it, it didn't catch on, really. And 
as such, um, there's just a whole bunch of connects floating out there in the world that are kind of un- unsold or weren't didn't really uh, come to any use. And so they became like uh, kind of appropriated by different people who would do different things with them, right? Like you, they'd create someone would create like some interesting weird art installation where the connect and you'd like move and the thing would move with you and all that. There was other things that they did, but ghosts. Um, two or three years ago, our friend Britt was, uh, was visiting and, uh, they, uh, are a big kind of ghost hunting TV show fan. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) we, and Bethany and I are just like, we just go to stuff like this and explore weird places and stuff just for fun. And so we're like, well, this is going to be hilarious bullshit because it was one of those things. It was like, we're the certified like local ghost hunters. You may have seen us on this Discovery Channel this, you know, just super bullshit, <laughs> hilarious hokum of, of that sort. And there was some old like asylum, a hospital or something that's like an hour north of Pittsburgh up by Newcastle. And it was going to be something where you go and do this ghost tour with them from like nine to 11. And then you can actually just run around the place and do your own ghost hunting until like 2 AM and stuff. So you're just locked in this hospital. We didn't actually stay all the way till 2 AM. We hung out for a bit, but it was people who like legitimately were there. Like I brought my ghost hunting equipment and, and shit. And we, during the kind of guided part, we were kind of split up with various parts of the ghost hunter team. And it was funny because like they were all wearing like tactical looking shit. Like the ghost <laughs> was going to like whip out a shotgun at them or they're going to have to bust down a door or, or whatever. Like it was really funny looking. Um, and uh, so we're going around and they're like, Oh, there's like, they bring us to this room and they tell us a story about it was this and that. And like some say you can still hear blah, blah, blah here. And then they turn off all the lights and we just like the big, okay, now we're going to listen and we're going to like listen for EVP uh, <laughs> and they had their little tape recorder out. And, you know, th- there would be a bunch of people there who afterwards like, I think I heard something. And like, here it's just a bunch of adults scaring each other in the dark uh, in a prompted manner. We go into this one hallway and this is like whoever they had in this general region were people that were like the more techie uh, <laughs> ones. So they had something that was called like a spirit box. You can look them up online um, it just makes noises like it just is like pre like it I think records little bits of like what's going on and plays it back in like uh, uh, like slow or like backwards or something. One of them was just chanting something in Latin, you know, because all ghosts know Latin um, and, you know, all the ghosts in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, big Latin scholars. Um, so we go to this one room and it's this thing that's supposed to pick up ghostly bodies and I'm looking at it and it's just like, Oh, did you see that there? And it's just like a little wireframe skeleton kind of like pops up. Uh, and by skeleton, I mean literally just like a bunch of points, like, uh, you know, this kind of wireframe like human figure and I'm looking at it and it's a connect like, and all it's doing is they have it set up. So it's trying to find human outlines. And so it'll kind of just latch on to various details in the room around it and try it and be like, Oh, here's a, like, and it's like a, little skeleton human outline will pop up for like one second as it's trying to read a human into the environment. And particularly if people are wandering around or it's dark and it's kind of like can't see very well, you're going to have these little kind of ghostly like skeleton forms like pop up occasionally. And that was what they were doing. Yeah. That's what the connect became this like bullshit ghost detective. And some say there is a, 
there is a monster named Skittles. It is clearly <laughs> your friend, a connectable, if you say. It was, uh, it was, it was insane. It was really funny, and like, I, I was like, it's a, it's a connect. Oh my god, like that's hilarious. And uh, what is next I, week for the review of MTV's Fear? <laughs> that, uh, God, that so there you go. That's your, that's your spooky game show. Um, that's your invited back series. Has anyone done release the hounds yet? No, no one has. I'm planning on that for Halloween, like Eric. Because yes. That is such a crazy show. Yeah, it is the least scary show unless you're really afraid of dogs. But I don't like, like jump scares, though. It's so, oh my God, it's the least scary thing in history. The fun I think, like, because Bethany and I go to a lot of, like, those kind of haunted house attractions during, like, Halloween. Like, around here in Pittsburgh, like, it's huge. There's, there's a ton of them and, like, a bunch of, like, haunted farms and all that. So we're kind of, like, you know, inured to that kind of thing. <laughs> And like this show is basically just that. It's my favorite. <laughs> but well, occasionally it, you have to run from a dog. My yeah, but that's actually like a good finale. Like run from the dog to get the money. Yeah, th- that should be the entire show. The rest of it's just really filler. But the fun part was like things like read the bedtime story. There's a man uh, in a chair, and then uh, right well, behind it, him, <laughs> it's all this stuff that's like the the iconography of horror, but isn't actually scary. Like oh, it's a doll, and you're like dolls aren't really scary. Like or like, oh, it's a clown. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess that there's like, there are some people that legitimately are afraid of clowns. But, you know, like clowns are no- known for being scary objects, not for the reason why they would be scary, if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> you know, there's nothing scary about a hockey mask, but we associate it now with scariness because of horror movies. And so, but if someone just shows you a hockey mask, it's not really that scary. And the show does a lot of that where it's just like oh don't you kind of remember this i cannot like you know here's a doll and you're like dolls aren't really scary the only reason this would be scary is if i was like scared of this one particular movie when the doll that a doll was in it's just it's this weird meta type of like horror that i don't think is even intentionally meta i think it's just lazy <laughs> but but they have dogs and who doesn't and love the dogs, dogs are real uh and the so dogs will take you down. we have to unfortunately go back to our ninja warrior story okay. um, well, well. Before we get to the end, uh, usually we'll be at the point where we'll be saying, should the show get revived? If the show, how? But the show has international appeal. I mean, there's a Ninja Warrior UK. There's Ninja Warrior in Germany. There's all sorts of versions of Ninja Warrior now around the world. It should go on forever. Should America cease to exist, they just need to rename it. And this show does have, like, if they just keep it going, like, just a little new obstacles every so often... And not really change the format. This can be the Jeopardy of the next generation, where this can be on for 2030, 2040, yeah. 2050. There, there really is just no reason to stop doing it. It's a, it's a great format uh, for a show. Like it's real dumb, but it's super watchable. If you're ever sick on the couch, like this is like, and you just kind of can't go anywhere, and you're just kind of stuck. Like this is the show. Just turn this on it's- and. Look at Twitter. I think A. Smith and Company does a good job. I mean, they're currently behind Mental Samurai on Fox. Okay. So watching this show and watching Mental Samurai, I think of a revival of the Krypton Factor, which was an old-timey game show. So, hey, folks, whoever has a license to Krypton Factor, give it to these people. Give it to the Ninja Warrior guys, because I think you have a new winning formula with this. Hmm. The the only other thing is, like, have any other obstacle ideas for the show, because, I mean, there's dozens you can think of. Yeah, and they've been recently having like kind of fans like do you uh, have any fan obstacles scott 
Oh, geez, I don't think I do. Like, um, I'm so... Well, I would fucking redesign that one, which I don't think came back the next year What after they had it. The one that was just, like, so poorly designed that people just didn't know how to do it. Um, I think they changed it or something because th- that one just did not work. Um, a lot of the ones that, like, fans uh, have done... Uh, are just the you know, hanging swinging things like hanging and swinging. Those are like kind of, I think the big fan pleasing type things, because those will come up uh, often as like, this is fan designed and it's like swing from this hang from that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a, a good obstacle off the top of my head. So if I had a head for Ninja warrior obstacles, the one I had as an idea is just, you have like a giant simulation of a clock. Okay. Like, you know, it is like, like nine, like nine, a clock so there's the one hand of the nine and then it goes up to and then you have the big long minute hand so you have to shimmy your way up the minute hand and as it's going as it's ticking there's this giant red bar minute like second clock that's on its way to knock you into the water nice okay that works i thought there was already a clock based one but i could be wrong there's tick there's tiktok which is supposed to be the pendulum that's okay the pendulum. um uh- so I mean, like I like this show a lot, and I mean, despite the some of the horrendous people on the show, there's, yeah, there's not a show that's more positive out there on modern American television. Arguably, uh, you could say Price is Right, but I would say this one beats that. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 even like I was gonna say it's like British Bake Off levels, but British Bake Off has like a lot of criticism, and Paul's just a jackass and stuff. So like. This is there's just no negative reinforcement at all on the show. Like there's just none. It's just all good vibes, and it's just it is mostly the cringy aspect of it is just it's kind of bullshit weird nationalism. This kind of like I said NFL Republicans um, type of thing where like it is so America cops troops flags um, baseball yeah hot dogs yeah. Yeah, it is so what it is um, to a ridiculous degree. Like, um, and so like, yeah, if you can stomach just yeah the sheer amount of yeah cops, troops, Christians, like it's uh, it's a it's a really watchable, extremely dumb show. Um, All right, now before we get going, Scott Ben. Yes, I have a lightning round. Okay, sixty seconds and five questions. For every correct answer, you get one plug. A potential five free plugs. Podcasting typically give you two. You get five if you get all five right. Sweet. Okay, let's see if I can get any of these. You want to play? Yeah. All right. I got none to lose. You're gonna pay off my debt. Maybe after this. With Ooh. these plugs, who knows? Uh, sixty seconds on the clock. All right. What is your favorite holiday? Uh, Halloween. What is the best thing to do with a quarter pipe? Uh, quarter pipe. Uh, I, I'm going to say one of those uh, hand plant uh, guys. I don't, I don't know what the actual move is. How well do you think the Prince of Persia would do on American Ninja Warrior? Uh, pretty good, although there's no, like, if we're talking, like, old school one, I don't know, because he was kind of, like, um, it's a little clunky. But new, newer Prince of Persia, I think he'd do fine. What do you think contestants of American Ninja Warrior are more afraid of? Mount Midoriyama or a Democratic Socialist? Democratic Socialist. Easy. Would you like to hear about my original character for Night in the Woods? Sure. (laughs) I've heard so many. You you did it! it. You got five! (laughs) Anyway, the character's called Hoots. Uh, Uh He's an owl-based character, and he has a podcast Uh about game shows. 
Um, and, and he's a lonely person, you know, because it's a suburban story. But it offers a nice fitting story about how his podcast uh, connects to people, even though he himself feels isolated. Mm, okay. Is this a self-insert character? or I, I, I need to eat it. Okay. Sorry. We can, we can fit Hoots in. Yay. We'll, we'll update the game to include Hoots. I did it. I mean, <laughs> thank you, Scott. <laughs> this whole thing was just to get your OC in Night in the Woods. <laughs> no, this is more for Ninja Warrior, but you did it. Scott got five. This would be really funny if you're like, ah, I'm just going to lay Scott Benson here to get it into uh, the game. We actually do get a lot of requests to be like, can you put my character in the game? And it's like, no, child, we cannot do that. <laughs> he's a dragon. He's got two tails. And we're like, did you see any dragons in this game? Mine's an owl. At least that kind of fits, because night yeah, in the got, woods, night owl. Makes sense. We got, we got owls running around the game right now. Yeah. Anyway, so it'd fit right in. We'll just take <laughs> the template of that and change the colors around. And, it'll and it's, for some reason, it's like, well, game show? What makes sense? <laughs> then there'll be something <laughs> like... Some random parents, convo like, on the street about game shows. Um, <laughs> Remember debt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, that is the kind of conversation we'd have in the game, though. We'd have to come up with a, a fake debt, though, that only existed in universe. Uh, and re- remember skills to pay the bills. <laughs> there you go. Remember debt death march? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Rem- oh, who can't forget about the uh, the uh, the leftist uh, the, the leftist uh, action hero squad, the guillotines? Yeah. God. That's an idea whose time has come. <laughs> so what are the five plugs you want to do today? Um, geez, plugs. Uh, uh, one, uh, the Glory Society, which we already plugged. We're making games and stuff. We won't be announcing anything for a while, but, you know, trust me, games are being made. It's me, it's Bethany, we're two of the three people behind Night in the Woods, and an amazing artist who's super brilliant and cool, Ren Farron. She also does uh, music um you can look her up and okay so that's one two hey if you haven't played our game night in the woods you should play it um it's pretty it's pretty good um let's see here uh, okay that's all my, my favorite character is bro strider bro strider yeah the hero of the game the, 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 sans sans is also a good character in night in the woods um, so 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 much fan art of that right there um I'm trying to think what else I have to pl- I have to plug. I don't have to. I don't have anything to plug. Uh, go donate to Means.TV. I think that will still be going on when this airs. I mean, um, hey, Means TV. If you need an idea for a socialist game show, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> hit me up. Um, uh, how, about, how about Game Workers? Uh... Game Workers Unite. Yeah, I was, I was gonna. I like. I was like opening up like my like. What all am I involved in? Game Workers Unite is a. Video game industry, uh, a labor organization, advocacy group. Uh, it's not union itself, unless you're in the UK, which in which case it is actually a trade union. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, work in kind of popularizing and helping hook people up with resources um, uh, for unionization. Uh, kind of just different things about worker rights and organization. And organization, and I um, am kind of one of the people that talks a lot about uh, worker cooperatives and starting one and why you should do it and why they're cool. And basically the form an IATC, IATSE, but for game design. Sure. Like basically an artist, especially artists. Oh my God, how many people get screwed over in art departments? Oh my God, yeah, no, it's terrible. But um, so yeah, uh, 
so go check out it's uh game workers at game workers on twitter one word game workers and uh I believe it's gameworkersunite.com so if you're in the games industry or you just want to support uh totally check that out um it's a long road ahead, but um, already a lot of cool stuff's happening with that. I will advocate for that because I'm what you call a consumer of uh, uh-huh. these video games. And All right. I, I think the best way to support is, is actually besides supporting independence uh, to, to also support like making sure these big corporations that are beholden to shareholders also pay their fair share to the very people that make up the billion dollars that go towards yeah. these games. Yeah, you know, they're all getting these ridiculous bonuses while people are kind of just crunched work-wise and then just kind of tossed aside. Well, I heard at the end a of this think, but there was a think piece a while that said, how I learned to love the crunch. Yeah, that was hilarious. That's great. <laughs> I love it. When, I mean, and you might, like, that's fine. But like, I love crisp really rice and milk stage. chocolate. The uh, There was a time in my life where I would have been like, yeah, I love crunch and stuff uh, when I was a bit younger. And when I thought that that was like the only way you could do things and that it somehow was more like professional to work yourself to death in some way. So you end up starting to, I mean, it's a capitalist thing, right? You end up starting to define yourself and take value and like value yourself as how much productivity you have. Um, Make make sure you reach the deadline. And if the meta score is a, is less than 84 there will be firings yeah uh, you, you won't get bonuses which were like the things we dangled in front of you to get you to like not see your child for three years while we made bioshock five or something um she said you just said her first word i can't honey i gotta i gotta <laughs> i gotta create car five yeah it's uh it sucks um people uh, are desperate for work and um uh there's always younger cheaper people like coming off uh, coming out of school who will uh do the job for less money and also you know throw themselves into this until they get burned out and you just replace them with someone else i mean the reason why i know a lot about this have like you know i've done independent games but like you know motion graphics and film uh post-production everything is literally the exact same kind of thing um and so whenever i got into games and I'd hear like CEOs and other people like talking like this in the language of like, well, we we're just so passionate, and that's why we you know work you know seven days a week for like uh, you know five months or something. Like we just came into it. I came into it like pre fed up with all that shit. So like it's just been amazing seeing like more and more people kind of wise up to that in games and be like, hey, maybe we can do something about this. So and, uh, game workers, yeah, it's one, good. And you have one final plug. Oh, um, you haven't done late night work club. Uh, late night work club. Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, I'm involved in a lot of stuff. Um, (laughs) late night work club uh, is the oldest of all these things. Um, it's, uh, started in uh, 2012, but like, uh, it's, uh, a, uh, international, uh, independent animator kind of collective. And we put out these themed anthologies. You can just go to late nightworkclub.com or just search for Late Night Work Club and you can find Strangers and Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories was our first. Strangers Is there a connect involved? Or... <laughs> what did you say? Is there a connect involved in these ghost stories? Unfortunately, no. Um, we'll, we'll try to get that next time. But like, uh, the... Uh, and so you can go check those out. They're free online. We kind of made it because there was like a lot of great animation that goes on at like film fests. And like when we started, like Charles Hutner and I, who were two of the co-founders, 
we couldn't afford to go out to like you know annecy which is like a big animation thing in like france and shit like so um and also like we wanted like a structure where people who maybe had other jobs uh and didn't have a space kind of like a, a prompt to make their own films anymore um not that they were out of school or whatever um to a, a place for them to kind of like you know urge and like prompt them and give them a structure for uh making new stuff so we did that and it was cool and uh we put out two of them. There'll be a third one at some point. We're all very busy right now, but yeah, late night work club. I think that's it. I don't think I'm involved in anything else. I'm in DSA. Uh, Contact uh, your local organization. Yeah, um, the socialism will win. There you go. If you if you if you like retweeting Acasio on Twitter, wait till you hear. <laughs> Don't and don't watch the anime until you've read the manga. Read the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wait, so is, is, is Communist Manifesto the the manga for, on this? Read one? the bread book. Uh, read some Eugene uh, Debs uh, speeches. Um, uh, but yes, and and please, you know, help each other out. If it's one thing we've learned about American Ninja Warrior is the best way to go about fighting these obstacles, rather it's life or on the monkey bars, is we have to stick together and it's strength in numbers and working together that is the ultimate message of American Ninja Warrior and in life. I don't know if that's actually the message of Ninja Warrior, but I'll, I'll go with it. Yes. Community. Community yes. involvement at that part. Yeah, that's true, actually. There, <laughs> I take it back. Uh, so, Scott, thanks again for stopping by. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to, I had an outlet for all my Ninja Warrior takes and uh, knowledge. <laughs> Once again, it's you know. such a sense of relief. It is. Now you have to go through the next ones, and you have to come back here to vent it. Yeah, it's true. It's like a <laughs> save it all up for the, my next uh, appearance. <laughs> oh, thanks again. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Scott Benson for stopping by. Please check out Means TV, and please follow him on Twitter at BombsFall. Anyway, uh, just some closing notes here. The American Ninja Warrior challenge game sucks. It's just not fun. It's a lot of button mashing or button combinations and correct button presses. <sighs> oh, well. Anyway, uh, if you're wondering, Sasuke's uh, top prize on that show is 4 million yen. And they also have a spin-off series called Kuno Ichi, or the Women of Ninja Warrior Specials that would have shown here on, on G4. Coincidentally, the fourth Kuno Ichi, the fourth Sasuke, and the fourth season of American Ninja Warrior all had total victories on their Mount Midoriyamas. After Jeff Biden and Isaac Caldiero both achieved total victory, uh, and it only went to the one who went the fastest, a new rule was implemented in starting at Season 8, where if more than one competitor achieved total victory on Mount Midoriyama, the prize money would be divided evenly among the players, which I thought, boy, I wish they had that at the beginning. That would make it a lot more fun. And also, I, I, I love this show because it's great sports broadcasting, and now they implement this head-to-head -head challenge thing in the show, and I think that's just a weird twist on the show. It is reinventing the course yearly is good to keep people on their toes, but by doing things like head-to-head, -head, it messes with the format and what should be a sports-like presentation of an obstacle course-based game show. It doesn't need to have a reality show twist to work as a format. It just needs to have clever obstacles and, most importantly, great contestants to root for. Uh, I like this show a lot because of its infamous obstacles, such as the warped wall, which is that quarter pipe, or the jumping spider, 
or the jumping steps where players are kind of just going from side to side. There's so many great obstacles in this show that are infamous and could definitely just keep showing up season after season if they choose. Plus, um, ninja gyms are all over the place. If they just leave the format alone, it could have some long-term longevity. And all you got to do is just treat it like a master's tournament and have that prize money be a purse for everybody to pursue. Thanks again to Scott Benson. And now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is Pricing Game Spotlight. Safe Crackers! Premiere date, April 27th, 1976, tape number 1912D. Premiere date for the Carrier, October 17th, 2007, 4043K, played at the big doors. Finale date for the Barker was June 6th, 2007, 4023K. Safe Crackers is a game where the contestant has to find the right combination of a giant safe to win. The game is played for two prizes, one worth between $120 and $980, the other worth more than $2,000. Occasionally, a car is offered as a larger prize, or on one occasion during Season 44's Big Money Week on October 13, 2015, aired or October 16th, or a cash prize of $10,000. The contestants is shown two prizes, both of which are locked inside a giant safe. The three-digit price of the di smaller item represents the combination of the safe. The digits of the price of the smaller prize are shown on each of the three dials. Each digit appears only once in the prize. Uh, price. Uh, sorry. Uh, the contestant must set the dials of the price of the three-digit prize to open the safe and win both prizes. Early in the game's history, the game was often had a full six possible combinations for the three-digit items. Since the mid-1980s, however, the three-digit price was virtually always ended in zero, making the game an either-or proposition of choosing the first two numbers if the contestant is aware of this fact. At the very least, if the combination contains a zero, there are only four possible combinations, since zero cannot be the first digit in a price. From the game's in introduction, the game's signature tune was the Pink Panther theme. Composed by Henry McKinney. Uh, due to licensing costs, however, it has been replaced by two different sets of stock music, in both cases being carried over from syndicated nighttime versions. The first of these stock cues was first used on the 8586 version with Tom Kennedy before being carried over to the daytime show on February 11th, 1992. The Game's current thank you was originally used in 1994's New Prices Right with Doug Davidson before its daytime debut on April 27th, 1995. That is tape number 9564D. Australian German versions still use Pink Panther theme, but though. In addition to the initial use of the Times Current Thank You, the 1994 syndicated version also staged the game differently. The safe can only contain the main prize, while the smaller prize whose price was used for the combination of the safe was placed outside the safe and talked about after the safe was locked. Starting in Season 34, the door that contains the Safe Crackers game is already open as the winning one-bid contestant comes on stage. Drew Carey also removes the correct price marker from the envelope regardless if the contestant won or lost the game, while Barker only revealed the marker if the contestant lost. Originally, if the game was lost, one of the models dialed the correct digit and opened the safe. 
On the Million Dollar Spectacular, February 29th, 2008, Safe Crackers was featured as the Million Dollar Game. After the main prize, a car was won in addition to a three-digit prize. The contestant couldn't risk everything won to play for that million dollars. The setup had five dials in the price of the car, with the possibility of repeating numbers. Contestant Domus Go opted not to play for the million dollars and kept the prizes already won, which, of course, he would. October 13th, 2015, aired out of order October 16th. During Big Money Week was the $10,000 prize. December 7, 2006, Rachel didn't open a safe and did open afterwards after offering an Alaska tour cruise and glasses were won. February 17, 2017, Losing Horns were played. Safe Crackers always offers two prizes. The first one is the combination to the safe. The second one's either a car or a prize that's worth less or more than $10,000. Which what, what is it? Prices right, Wiki. Is it less or more than $10,000? The one prize is always less than $1,000, can have any repeating numbers, but the grand prize can have some repeating digits. The most number of times this game was played in any season was 49. The safe's locking mechanism is a rod inserted into a clip on the door. A backstage removes the rod if the safe is cracked. Mathematically, there are six possible combinations for the three digits. That's one times two times three. Talk to your friends in math class. However, one of the numbers is always a zero, and since the first number can't be a zero, the zero is never used for the last number. Is never used for the last number. There are only two of these combinations that are likely to be used. Um. So uh, that's that's it. K joke Pasquale safe crackers use a real safe and three-digit prize Vietnamese version. Each of the dials had different set digits. I love safe crackers. I love the way it looks. I love the fact it's a giant safe. I uh, I love the game. Um, the, the, the thing that I, I think it needs now is like maybe more, uh, more electric, maybe lasers, if anything. Um, but I, I think what they should do is no matter what happens, win or lose, you get the three digit prize. It's really just what's in the safe for you to win as well. So no matter what, you have a bonus prize. I like that. But other than that, no, no real way to fix safe crackers it's a perfect enough game, and if done correctly, it's a perfect AB game because the zero can be the last digit and typically is. So if it's a five and a three, is it 530 or 350? So it brings some some sort of chance with the with the three-digit prizes, which isn't really done that often on the prices, right? Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we take a look at the dice game. Well, that's how means we're running out of time. So I got to quickly plug uh, the game shows. I suppose summer 2019 schedule is now out. You can check it out on Twitter at Jordan Ha, J-O-R-D-H-A, or on JordanHaas.com. And uh, if not, I can just quickly read it off right now. May 9th, Paradise Hotel. May 13th, Bachelor on ABC. May 17th, Nailed It. May 20th, Beat Shazam on Fox. May 28th, America's Got Talent, NBC. May 28th, Songland. May 29th, American Joy, which is tonight. Tomorrow, Lip Sync Battle on Paramount. Uh, then we got June 3rd, So You Think You Can Dance on Fox. June 3rd also has Wedding Cake Championship on Food Network. June 7th uh, at 8 has Masters of Illusion on CW. BattleBots on Discovery, Big Stage on CW. June 9th is Game Show Fun and Games, which is Celebrity Family Feud, $100,000 Pyramid, and To Tell the Truth on ABC. Best Ever Trivia Show is on at 4 p.m. on GSN on June 10th. Also on June 10th, the debut of Are You Smart the Fifth Grader with You Can't See Me's John Cena. Uh, June 11th is Ink Master on Paramount. June 12th is the next of the Summer Fun and Games with Press Your Luck, Card Sharks, and Match Game on ABC, but also at 8 p.m. If you don't want Press Your Luck, you got Deal or No Deal on CNBC. 
June 14th is the debut of Wake on Netflix, A Wake. June 17th, Penn & Teller Fool Us on CW, followed by Whose Line Is in Anyway on the CW. June 20th is another big game show night. 8 p.m. is The Wall on NBC, but against it is MasterChef on Fox, but against that is Holy Moly on ABC. Holy Moly! Then at 9 p.m. on Competing Network, Spin the Wheel on Fox versus Family Food Night on ABC. June 25th, Big Brother on CBS. July 9th is Love Island on CBS. And then there's also Bring the Funny on NBC, uh, followed by July 11th with Hollywood Game Night on NBC. Please check it out to verify your dates and times and check your local listings. Until then, thank you for so much for stopping by. Join us next week for another great game show. And until then, good night and big smooch! Mwah!